Alex Melleris. And I'm Taisei Poo. Did you like our new theme music? I, uh, yeah, you sent it to me a couple of days ago. And, uh, yeah, fresh new bop to kick off the new season, right? Couple was just handed out last week. And so, yeah, season two gets on its way starting this week. And we got a, an absolute slapper of a new theme song yeah. now. Head into year two, we changed the key from E to F. We changed the uh, that guitar loop at the beginning. It's a different thing now. Uh, changed the that you know garage band musical typing saxophone up a little bit, and I invented I didn't invent uh, discovered is the correct word that pitch bend tool. So that was that alien sounding thing you just heard. Uh, hope you enjoy it. I know some people don't like change, but uh, but we do. We like change, so live with it. Uh, this is our first show since. Tampa won the Stanley Cup, which feels like an incredibly long time ago at this point, which uh, usually does, I think, like the first week after the Stanley Cup is rewarded because everyone jumps into off-season mode right away, and this year is no different. But as the clock had winded down and Jim Jim Hewson said, the bubble has burst, which he'd quite obviously been sitting on for at least a couple months, um, and Tampa won, I was, I was talking to you. And I said something that you agreed with that I'm pretty at peace with this result. Like, because it's so rare, or pretty rare at least, for the best team to actually win. And Tampa's been the best team in the NHL for the past three years, maybe. I think I would argue about three years they've been the best team. And uh, they finally broke through after being among the best for like six years. And good for them, very good for them, I think. And uh, Hedman won the Con Smythe. Not such a big surprise, but apparently the vote between him and Braden Point was extremely close. Yeah, I mean, that's no surprise. Uh, like, as we talked about it last week, because, like, it was basically a certainty at that point, like, that the Lightning were eventually going to win because, you know, they were the better team. And so, yeah, there were, like, four guys who you could have given it to. Uh, obviously, Hedman, Point, and uh, Kucherov. I think he broke some playoff records. And so, any normal season, or, or not in any normal season, but just... Any team where it's not this absolutely loaded at essentially every single position, that guy probably that that that's a that's a called or not a, not a Calder, uh you know what's why did I just forget the trophy's name the Consmite uh, right yeah of course that's a Consmite worthy <laughs> uh it's a Consmite worthy season right there and yeah last guy Vasilevsky uh he was like lights out all playoffs for the Lightning as well so. Honestly, if, you know, on, on a team where it wasn't so stacked, you could see any of those four guys winning. But yeah, Hedman, uh, like, he clearly drove the bus on that team. I mean, just defensively, uh, because really, he's the big name up there. I mean, you've got guys like McDonough, you got guys like Shattenkirk. But without Hedman, uh, it really feels that much, like, it, it just it's a completely different team. And we saw that he was injured for a bit in the, early, in the earlier rounds. And they looked markedly worse. And so, you know, to see him win the Conn Smythe, I mean, I think it's deserving. And, then I, and I said that he would be my pick because, you know, as good as Point and Kucherov have been, I, I feel like, you know, they just they just don't contribute as much as Hedman because he's just so integral to that team. Uh, mm-hmm. And, yeah, for the team as, the whole, as a whole, it's just, yeah, as you said, the Lightning were the best team in the NHL this season. They've been like one of the better constructed rosters for like five years now. And this, this core was one of those that, you know, they just couldn't find a way to win it, but they were, it felt like they were overdue. It felt like they were eventually going to, it was eventually going to happen. And yeah, it, it just happened to be the one where it happened in a funky bubble, but you know, uh, talk about asterisks or whatever. 
Uh, I, I mean, I don't really give a shit about asterisks. Uh, and so, like, you know, good for them. And, uh, I mean, yeah, it's just I'm glad that Dallas didn't win because, frankly, wouldn't have been the best thing for hockey. Uh, a lot of people were talking like it's a, it's, a, it's a clash of styles. Well, really, anybody Tampa was playing, except for, like, Boston was a clash of styles because they kept playing those defensive teams. And to see Tampa being knocked out by one of those teams would have probably not been great for the direction of the league heading into the next few years in terms of roster construction and, like, what are general managers going to prioritize. But yeah, Tampa won. They were clearly the better team. They never even made it to seven games in any of their series, right? It was, like, 5-5, five, 6-6. Five, six, six. And so they were. that's just how dominant they were. And... Yeah, it just by the end of it, we said it last week. It felt inevitable that they were going to win because just in that matchup, uh, they were just just the better team. Uh, Dallas stole mm-hmm. a couple of games uh, where you know they hunkered down and did their thing, but you know they were injured. But you know that's just that doesn't cover up the fact that they were just outplayed. They were just outplayed throughout, and uh, I mean, yeah, Tampa deserved this one. Yeah, do I guess we could talk about uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning winning and then immediately celebrating irresponsibly and making total fools out of themselves in Tampa Bay. Notably, Alex Kalorn, who said during his, I don't know, parade speech, is that even a thing, thanked the governor of Florida for opening the bars just in time to to celebrate with the boys about the Stanley Cup. And uh, this is extremely selfish of the Tampa Bay players, but what, what really what bothered me about it is that like any other team probably would have done the exact same thing in that situation. That's not uh, unique to Tampa Bay. It just so happens that they won. So they're the ones that everyone's making fun of. It's very frustrating. And like we've talked about so many times, everyone's talked about this, how, yeah, sure. If these players get sick, they're probably not going to suffer that much because of how incredibly healthy they are. You never know. They could, but they probably won't. The problem is all those other fans who they're letting drink out of the Stanley Cup and potentially, I mean, not even probably spreading COVID-19 too. Like there's definitely COVID-19 somewhere in that massive group of people. And I mean, there are probably going to be positive tests in there. So very frustrating, very selfish. And I mean, yeah, it's tempting to blame the lightning, but on the other hand, like it's hard to blame anyone for not taking COVID more seriously than their government does like this should this should have been the florida governors you know anyone who's in charge any state any province their responsibility to to to, you know set a clear a clear standard at least no so much inconsistency everywhere kind of rambling on and on a little bit but i'm sure you have similar thoughts to this than i do well you know i i really don't think that you know many sort of uh, who the governor is or who the president is really excuses this kind of uh, stupid behavior on behalf of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I mean, I understand, uh, you know, you see an, another team win. If Dallas wins, they probably do the same thing. But, you know, the fact is the Tampa won. They won. And so it's up to them to, you know, act smart and be responsible. And they were the complete opposite of that. Uh, I cannot stress how stupid it was to watch what was going on. Not only the parade, but like, like even the night that they won the Stanley Cup, you saw like they shot they they like on the big board they like sent like aired some scenes of like Tampa people and what it was like in that big square and like uh that was already concerning. Nobody was social distancing. Nobody was wearing a mask. Or if there were people that were wearing a mask, the vast majority of them weren't wearing a mask, which kind of defeats the purpose of masks and. Yeah, and then you looked at that, you were like, red flag in Tampa. What's going on there? And then the parade comes in. And, I mean, like, really? 
really? Like, did you have to hold the parade? Like, they did some boats thing. Like, what they had, I think the, the original thing was like, they came in on boats. And so they were like, kind of social distance. Uh, and so technically it wasn't a parade. But then they eventually like turned it into a parade. And like, there was a parade route. They got off the boat. And then they like, walked to the stadium. And so you can't tell me that's not a parade. Uh, and so, I mean, look, the whole concept is a joke. And... I mean, just it seemed like the whole city of fucking Tampa Bay and Florida was at that gathering. Uh, just hordes and hordes of people. And it's the kind of thing that, you know, you look at it and you realize that you're in a global pandemic. Not only a global pandemic, but th- these people are literally at the epicenter of a global pandemic. Uh, I think they still have like almost like two odd thousand cases a day. Uh, and it's Florida people. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, a pr- I th- you asked me, I think it's, uh, we talked about how, you know, we thought that Tampa deserved it while, you know, it's a pretty quick heel turn for me in terms of, uh, you know, watching Tampa do this bullshit. And I mean, you could say that any other team would do it, but that's the thing. Tampa did do it. And that's where the problem lies. It's just, it's so stupid. You, you watch, you know, the, all these months, like not only just the fact that they were literally in a bubble to avoid COVID for the last two months, uh, but also just the world trying to like fight against this, you know, deadly disease uh, in a country where there have been like 200,000 deaths and you're going to do this. You're going to hold a mass gathering. Uh, it's just it's completely absurd to me. And then to shout out the governor for like, fucking keeping the bars open. I mean, is that is that really your number one priority in a global pandemic? Like, I can't show this. Like, people are dying here, people. People are dying. Like, fuck, the president has COVID now, and yeah, you're gonna you're gonna thank the governor for keeping the bars open. Uh, it's all it's all very absurd to me. And I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely stupid takes as the hell. shine off. Definitely 100%. takes the shine off the the win, and. Yeah, you mentioned that you're in a bubble for two months, and this really just shows, like, yeah, so zero positive cases the whole two months. Absolutely fantastic. But now we're really seeing that they weren't so safe because they actually wanted to avoid getting people sick. The reason they were so safe and cautious that whole time, at least the players, and at the very least the Tampa Bay Lightning players, and we can assume all the other players, was because no one wants to be the person who ruins it for everyone else by getting COVID. They don't care if if other people get sick, if other people die. Well, maybe that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But I mean, not maybe not really, because we're seeing by the way Tampa Bay is acting, that it seems like they have a total disregard for everyone else's life. And we're seeing they only wanted to get through the bubble and not have the NHL cancel it. And now, they're, now that it's done, they don't care. They don't care, just like everybody else. Total disregard. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I think I don't even think that the reason that they were in this bubble was because, you know, they wanted to not be that guy. I think it's because it's because the league mandated it. They were not going to start games without this bubble. Right. Uh, it just didn't make sense. And so, you know, it's just it's not. And like, that's the thing, right? Yeah. You, you have to when you have you hold a mass gathering like this, you have to you're, you're the one responsible for all of this. You talk about, you know, the governor, like. You, you don't blame 100% because the governor and the politics and all that, and they're not great, getting great messaging. Well, you know, what kind of message is Tampa Bay sending to its fans uh, holding this kind of event? Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's just, it's stupid. And you look at it, you look at the scenes, you look at any sort of pictures, everybody's like, it looks like everybody's hugging, you're, you're hugging strangers and all that. And frankly, it's not the time for that, uh, really. And so, yeah, we can talk a bit about the bubble if you want, uh, just how the NHL held it. 
and how they kind of adjusted on the fly and the whole plan and everything. And overall, I, I'd call it a success. I mean, no positive cases. They awarded the Stanley Cup. Yeah, the, 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 big, the big thing is no positive cases, right? You didn't get like a starting goalie or really anybody have to leave and, and miss games because of COVID. And so, yeah, I would say that this bubble has been a relative success. Obviously, there are some bumps. You know, I think we talked last week about, you know, some player concerns and how, you know, it might have not been the best of conditions at all. You know, the family, all the families came in and all that. But overall, I mean, it kind of, to be honest, it beat my expectations heading into the bubble. And, and so, you know, I think, I think it's a relative success. And, you know, you look at other leagues. Uh, I mean, the NBA did a good job. But like the MLB, I think it's completely turned me off. Just the fact that there have been outbreaks all over the place. Look at the NFL. Uh, COVID outbreak right now, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, cases all over the place and still popping up day after day after day. And so they have to postpone that game. And then who knows about the next games. And so, you know, uh, we see how effective a bubble has been. The NHL seemed to realize how effective it was going to be. And they did it right. And here we are with a Stanley Cup champion at the end of it. And no COVID cases inside the bubble. Well, now that fun stuff is done, uh, we can move on to the actual fun stuff, which is the offseason and all the transactions that have already happened so far, including Henrik Lundqvist being bought out by the Rangers. This was a few days ago at this point, and not a big surprise, but I think, well, um, Lundqvist had a, a full no trade, I'm pretty sure, at least maybe even like a, a full no move or something. So he would have had to okay any trade. And I assume, maybe I'm giving the Rangers some benefit of the doubt here, but I assume they asked Lundqvist, do you, do you want to go to any team that'll want you? And he said no. And that's when they said, okay, well, but being bought out is your other option. He said, all right. Because trading him for 50% returned, uh, retained, sorry, uh, would have been better for the Rangers, even if they had gotten absolutely nothing back, even if it was like a, a Mark Stahl, situ- well, not exactly a Mark Stahl situation, but even if you go Henrik Lundqvist to whoever, San Jose, 50% retained, and for future considerations, that's better for the Rangers than this buyout, because this buyout, now you have like five points something against the cap this year and one point something the next year, instead of if you just traded him 50% retained, you just have 4.25 against the cap this year and nothing the next year because he's got one year left. So, I mean, this buyout, probably not the best case scenario for New York by any stretch. But, I mean, Lundqvist doesn't want to go anywhere. If there's any player you want to do right by, then, I mean, that's who it is. And I think Russian Machine Never Breaks reported, um, like, overnight that Washington is one of the teams interested in bringing Lundqvist in to, I guess, have him tandem with Ilya Samsonov. So, I mean, the Rangers, a lot of people talking about how, oh, they have like $13 million in dead space now with the Lundqvist buyout and the Shattenkirk buyout and um, whatever else. Uh, I think there was like a Ryan Spooner buyout or something. I don't remember. But, or was it Dan Girardi? I don't know. There's something else besides Lundqvist and Shattenkirk and they have like $13 million in dead space. But they still have a ton of cap room. They're near the top of the league in terms of cap room. And of course, with Lafreniere coming in on his ELC, Adam Fox still on his ELC, they've got a lot of a lot of room to you know maybe improve. Yeah, I mean, I think they cleared just this week with the buyout. How much? How much money did they clear? Like ten million dollars because they also traded away Mark Stahl, and we can talk about that later. But uh, you know, Henrik Lundqvist, uh, you know, yeah, you, you, you kind of hate to see it. 
uh, to, to see it come to this point, to see him bought out. But the fact is, I mean, the man was he was not gonna he was not gonna spend the season on the Rangers uh, with that contract, and just the fact that they have two goalies that are better than him already. Uh, and so, yeah, it was inevitable. Kind of sucks to see it because he's been there so long. But you know, I totally understand it from the, from the perspective of the Rangers. And so, yeah, I guess I guess he wasn't gonna get traded. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine why. I, I I really don't understand like the mechanics and all this. Uh, and like, there's no behind the scenes look. And so all we see is just okay, he's bought out. But you know, in terms of tra- potentially trading him, yeah, fifty percent retention. But the fact is, right, there's such a saturated goalie market. Uh, Lundqvist seems to be you know quite washed. And so, do you want to pay? Like, not many situ- teams. Can afford, you know, the Habs thing of like going to get an expensive backup, and that's what Lundqvist would be. Even at fifty percent retention, uh, you know, he you're still paying the backup like four something million dollars, and while the Rangers may be able to afford it, uh, I I there just aren't that many teams that can, uh, and and because there are so many UFA goalies this season, uh, it's just, I mean, maybe it makes sense for Montreal to go after Jake Allen. But, I mean, I just don't think there were that many teams where it made sense to go after a four-something million dollar Lundqvist when you can either chase a different goalie or you can come after Lundqvist later and you can probably get him for, what, a couple million dollars? Uh, And I don't know if you're a cup contender. I'm sure he wants to chase that ring. Uh, I don't think he's won one yet, right? Because the Rangers... Nope. No. So, like, you know, cup chasing, uh, potentially. And, you know, sign as a cheap backup for a cup contender. Uh, maybe even, I don't know, Colorado. That's like the first team that comes to mind because I think they need a better goalie. Uh, and so, yeah. Uh, well, just is not better than Grubauer. No, I mean as a backup. Um, I, I don't think he's a starter anywhere uh, unless yeah. uh, it's a really bad, unless like you're going to Ottawa, but I don't see him going to Ottawa. I think that's what I'm saying, cheap backup. I think that's his role. Uh, a guy who's got experience and I mean, frankly, nothing more because yeah, he's not better than Grubauer. He's not better than, basically every single starting goalie out there and so uh yeah i mean uh we're seeing the guy head into the twilight of his career and uh yeah cheering for him he's one of those guys he's pretty likable and so yeah uh, he's one of those guys where you see him win a cup and you know everybody's doing the 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 cup passing around and everything and you're like oh nice to see nice to see henrik or nice to see whoever the hell lift that cup Mm -hmm. here's some food for thought retroactively i was going to bring up montreal too if this is, of course, if Lundqvist had wanted to come to Montreal before they acquired Jake Allen, uh, I assume you could have gotten Lundqvist for way less than you gave up to get Jake Allen. And Lundqvist, say, 50% retained, so that's a $4.25 million cap hit. You give up, what, a sixth-round pick, probably, if if their other option is buying him out, maybe a seventh-round pick. And is that a better situation than giving up what, what was a third-round pick? for Jake Allen. Like I have much more confidence in Jake Allen as a backup since he's done so well in uh when he hasn't had to be a starting goalie when he's got to split time with Biddington or Brian Elliott or whoever it is. He's been fantastic. And Lundqvist on the other hand, it's very hard to tell because he is at the twilight of his career and he hasn't really been a backup before. So is that a? Would you think that's a better situation to give up a lot less to get a backup who's probably worse? Obviously, this is just fun talking points at this point because it isn't going to happen because the moment's already passed. But what do you think? What would you have preferred? Well, that's the thing. I don't think it's a lot less. You're given. You know what I mean? Like, what you save nine hundred grand in cap space between the two, and like 
uh, let me think, like what? You're moving down three rounds, or you're moving up three rounds, or whatever the hell it is. It's just three rounds in the in the late draft. Uh, I don't think it's a whole lot, and I'm just and I am a whole lot more confident in Jake Allen than I am with uh, Henrik Lundqvist because, as you said, he has experience. He just did a year of being the backup behind uh, Bennington, and so. I just I I I prefer I prefer the Allen move to be totally honest and I don't think it's particularly close because you say it's a whole lot more you gave up for Allen but a the Habs have so many picks and b it's a third rounder uh, versus I don't know a seventh rounder or whatever the hell and so uh, I just yeah I I definitely prefer the Allen trade because it's all about confidence at this point confidence in the goalie position heading into this next season and much more confident with Jake Allen who's you know. Got some, he's got some gas left, especially as the backup compared to Lundqvist, where I don't know what's going on. Uh, is he completely washed? Who knows? Uh, and so, yeah, that's and he really didn't play near the end of the season last year because mm-hmm. he had uh, he had Chesterkin and he had Georgiev ahead of him. Uh, I know, I think he started the season as the goalie, but near the end, it was really just spot starts and he was just the third goalie. He was just the third, he was the third string goalie. And so, you know, it just really doesn't inspire confidence as a backup for a team that needs a solid backup next season. Uh, so yeah, pretty firmly in the Allen camp on that one. If this is the end of Lundqvist's career, uh, definitely a Hall of Fame goalie, no question about it. Uh, I think six all-time in wins is the stat. Like, that. that's def- That's like a, an automatic. Uh, what's, the, what's the term for when you get into the Hall of Fame right away? A something, First ballot. A list. First ballot. First ballot. Well, that's the one. That's what I was thinking of. Uh, it's... So weird that he's only won the Vezina one time. I think it was 2012. Because he was from the stretch of like, since he came into the league in 2005, up until not that long ago, 2016, 2017-ish. Probably, well, definitely from that stretch of time, the best goalie in the NHL. NHL. And he should have won multiple Vezinas, I think. There's really like, uh, what was the stat uh, that was... I don't remember one of the hockey podcasts I listened to. I don't remember which one that he had. He was like 57 wins above replacement in uh, like a, a, some specific, maybe his whole career. I don't remember. And the next closest in that time was Carey Price. who was like 20 below. And I know you're kind of curating things specifically based on Lundqvist's career. So it kind of skews things a little bit, but overall he was just, absolutely no question the best goalie of the decade like remember when like back in december when everyone was making their their deck all decade teams lundquist was the goalie on basically 95 percent of them so that that speaks to to how good and how far ahead of everyone else lundquist was in the prime of his career because we talk all the time about how goalies being voodoo and unpredictable and i think that's really what set henrik lundquist apart was that up until extremely recently you could depend on Henrik Lundqvist to be in the top five goalies in the NHL. And there's basically no one else you could say that for. Yeah. I mean, dude's a legend. Uh, what more is there to say? Uh, just, just a league goaltender for so long, right? And yeah, absolutely. This guy kept it up year after year after year after year. Uh, I'm looking at his, his hockey reference page and like just heading into the league uh, as a rookie. What, like 2005, 2006? Uh, he was already a Vesna finalist. And he had like he was ninth place for Hart uh, in the Hart voting, and so you know just from the get go, this guy was like elite for I don't know eleven years in a row. Uh, he had some like some sort of award votes headed his way, uh, and so he was just that good. Uh, and you know it's 
they, they call him King Henrik for a reason, right? And he just he became he became an icon out there in among Rangers fans and really among the NHL. And yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, first ballot Hall of Famer. That's not even a question at this point. Uh, and you just look at his, you know, you look at his personality and how well he was liked. And then you and then you look at the the awards, the vo- awards voting, uh, how consistent he is, like. I'm looking at here. Year after year, he was third. He was third. He was third. He was sixth. He was sixth. He was fourth. He won the Vesna. He was second in the Vesna. He was sixth. He was fifth. And then he got some heart votes the year after that. And so you just in the Vesna in the Vesna conversation every single year. And yeah, you just don't see that. You don't don't see it even among the best goaltenders. Uh, I mean, the closest you would get is Vasilevsky, but he's still very early in his career. Uh, that's been like so, three years so far, not ten. Exactly. That's I know. That's what I'm saying. Uh, but other than that, like Vasilevsky is probably one of the more consistent goalies in the NHL right now. And yeah, he's only been in the year for in the league for like three years. Uh, everybody has their ups and downs, you know. Even Bobrovsky was dog shit this year. Carey Price, we've talked about his struggles uh, over and over and over. And so they just you just don't really see this anymore. And the fact that he held this up for eleven odd seasons uh, and then some, it's just it's just it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, yeah, look at his save percentages over the years. He had like nine twenty for like. Uh, for a period from like 2009 to 2016, he had a 920 at least for all of those years. He hit 930 one of those years, and uh, yeah, just just I mean, what what more do you need to say? Uh, just I don't think this is the end of his career. I think he's got some. I think he can work as a backup at least for one year. See how that pans out. But in terms of the starting goaltender, I think this is it, and it's been it's been a it's been a heck of a ride for him. He's uh, not the only goalie, though. There's been some news about. How's that for a transition? Uh, three three new goalies signed contracts yesterday. Brian Elliott, one-up with Philadelphia. He'll be the backup to Carter Hart again. Tristan Jari, not such a big surprise. This is the, probably the, the definitely the first good transaction Jim Rutherford's made this summer. This this Jari, three-year extension, $3.5 million a year. Um, He's only really been a starter for less than a full season, but if he can do it, and I think he can, that's a very nice number to get him at for the next three years. And Robin Leonard, as was expected, signed a five-year extension with Vegas, $5 million a year. That is a very good number to get him at, to get him at, especially if he can maintain the quality of play that he's had over the past two seasons, and I see no reason why he wouldn't be able to. Of course, this points to what's going to happen with Flurry. Because Vegas is now actually over the cap at this very moment, so uh, Flurry's probably going to be out the door. Um, I think he has a no move or a no trade or something, or at least a limited no trade. So he's going to get to curate his destination at least to some degree. And Devin Dubnik also hasn't been traded yet, but all signs at least a couple nights ago were pointing to that uh, Minnesota and San Jose were very close to a deal that would send Devin Dubnik and Ryan Donato to San Jose for an undetermined package. And then San Jose would be going into next season with a Dubnik and Martin Jones tandem, which many people seem to believe were two of the very worst goalies in the NHL last season. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how that works out for San Jose. Martin Jones has been bad for a while now. Dubnik was pretty good and then had like one and a half bad seasons. So I think he could bounce back. Uh, not counting on it though. So uh, I mean, that deal still might not happen. Like this, actually, this wouldn't be the first time in recent memory that San Jose was reportedly super close to acquiring a goalie and then it fell through. I think like they were about to get Ryan Miller from the Ducks in the at like the 2019 deadline and then it never ended up happening. 
So uh, lots of goalie news as of late. You could here pick your favorite. Pick your favorite to talk about. Okay, all right. I guess that's well. I think the funniest is by far the last one. Uh, Dubnik, the San Jose rumors. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? What's going on there? Uh, I mean, like, yeah. What's what's the deal? Like, is San Jose just like rebuilding? Because they were just so bad this season. Because they were very, very bad this season. Uh, or are they still like under the illusion that ooh, we could still make a run? And either way, what the hell are you doing getting Devin Dubnik? I mean, if you're tanking, you don't need a second goalie. Uh, and not not like someone that is uh very very borderline starting caliber. You know, he's not very starting caliber, but like a guy like that, a name like that. Uh, you don't need a second one if you're you know tanking and if you're what trying to make a push that's the fucking goalie you get to back up martin jones uh when he inevitably performs poorly you're gonna turn to who devin dubnik <laughs> well dubnik I would mean... be the starter i assume from the get-go dubnik would be the number one but uh okay yeah I, your point still stands that who's gonna that worse. step in when I mean, dubnik like... falters martin jones yeah, exactly i mean it's just uh you're you, it's just two of the worst starting goaltenders in the nhl and San Jose's trying to like, you know, trying to hoard the corner of the market on bad starters, apparently, because that's what's going on. I mean, just the, the Jones contract. I understand they're handcuffed by it. Yeah, it's just they paid him and then he was shit. It was just like that. And he just wasn't. Yeah, he shouldn't have signed him to the contract. But what's done is done. And so now they have to kind of live with it for the next God, how many who knows how many years that's left on that. And so, you know, I mean, getting Devin Dubnik, though. I assume he would come at a low cost. I would hope so. Because if you're paying any, any sort of premium in this market for a guy like Devin Dubnik, uh, you're just clowning. I mean, uh, so yeah. I mean, it's it, obviously the trade is yet to be completed, but it's one of those things where like it's, <laughs> this is disaster written all over it in bright red marker. And uh, I, I mean, I'm kind of cheering for it to happen because we love that kind of thing. Uh, when it comes to the other contracts, uh, Robin Lehner. Before we move on from, uh, yeah? from the Sharks. I want to point out, um, even if the Dubnik trade, whether it happens or not, uh, they signed a Russian goalie named Alexei Melnichuk a couple months ago. And uh, whether they make the Dubnik trade or not, he could still be the best goalie on the Sharks. Uh, he's 22. He has played not much in the KHL. He played 16 games, but he has a 930 and a 168 goals against average. Seems pretty good. And I mean, the VHL, the MHL, she's played in not exactly super high leagues, but he's been very consistently good in them over the past couple of years. And some people who I've heard rumbling about him seem to think that uh, uh, maybe just maybe he has starter potential. And at the very least, uh, you can probably count on him being better than Martin Jones, which isn't such a high bar to clear. But that's another Sharks goaltending name to keep an eye on. And you mentioned, are the Sharks rebuilding? Uh, that would be the smart thing to do, but extremely difficult when you've got Logan Couture, Evander Kane, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, Mark Edward Vlasic, all signed till at least 2025, and Martin Jones till 2024 at incredible high numbers. And I mean, obviously, nothing's impossible. You can, if you wanted to, if you really wanted to, trade these players and even don't get much, just suck, pull the Red Wings. That might be, just pull the shoot. It seems like they're trying to say, maybe, maybe we just had a fluky bad year and we can pull it together again. I don't know. Wouldn't count on that. Uh, Vlasic and Carlson are the only ones with no move clauses out of that group. Everyone else has a modified no trade. So Sharks, very interesting to talk about ever since they suddenly fell off a cliff. But uh, but now you proceed on to the next goal you were going to talk about. 
Yeah. So first, first of all, the sharks are old as shit. So yeah, like you're either gonna go for it, which you can't because y- your team sucks, and so you gotta really tear it down. I think that's what I think. Uh, just yeah, your your window's closed. It's over, San Jose. Just it's time to restart. And uh, when it comes to that third goalie that you mentioned, give him some starts. Give him some. You know, if you if you think he can do it. Fucking let him do it because uh, really anything is better than trotting out fucking Devin Dubnik and Martin Jones on a nightly basis. Uh, that's the stuff of nightmares. Uh, anyways, uh, so yeah, the other goalie, Robin Lehner. I mean, first of all, you know, you feel good for the guy. Uh, got a couple of short-term contracts despite the fact that he's been, you know, he was elite last year. And so, yeah, he didn't get that long-term contract. Now he gets it. $5 million, I think, is a great number for Vegas. It's just, yeah, he's the best goalie on the market this year. Uh, and he's an elite one at that. Uh, he's shown to be over the last, yeah, two years. He's just been really, 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 really good. And he was very, 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 very good in the playoffs. And so, yeah, you really? Five million? I, I looked at that number and I scratched my, I was like, scratched my head. Like, Riley Lehner's agent couldn't get more out of the Golden Knights. Uh, I mean, I guess he wanted to stay there. That's the impression I'm getting. He wanted to stay there. And so it seems like he took a bit of a discount because, yeah, he's, he's the best goalie on the market. He's one of the best goalies in the league at this point. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, just a great number. And this is another sword in the back for Marc-Andre Fleury, yeah. Uh, who, yeah, he looks like he's on his way out. That's a huge cap hit. And uh, are there any takers for that contract? Maybe. Oh, yeah. Maybe. Oh, yeah. You can find yeah. plenty of takers. You can find plenty of teams who will love to have Marc-Andre Fleury. Edmonton is one of them. They seem to love old and overpaid goalies who are past their prime. Buffalo, that would be an upgrade for them if they could get Marc-Andre Fleury to tandem with Linus Olmark instead of Carter Hutton. That would be an upgrade for them. Chicago's going to need to figure out their goaltending. They've got, you know, Corey Crawford as a UFA. So, I mean, maybe he'll want to stay. If you want to contend, maybe I'd suggest going another route, and I'd probably prefer to have Fleury in my crease if I want to make the playoffs rather than Corey Crawford. Uh, Yeah, team's always looking for goalies. You can find a taker for Fleury. I don't know if you can get much back, but teams will... You, you can find someone who'll want him. And, I mean, when you talk about this Leonard deal, he was the best goalie on the market. Now, that is unequivocally Jakob Markstrom. And I think this deal, I mean, I was like, hmm, maybe, I don't know, sets the market a bit low for Markstrom. But on the other hand, now you're going to have tons of teams, like all those teams that I just mentioned, plus Vancouver, who's going to want to keep him. And you're going to have a bidding war for Jakob Markstrom. And none of them are going to be like, well, if we don't get Markstrom, we can fall back on Leonard or vice versa because Markstrom is head and shoulders above all the other free agent goalies available. Such as, well, I don't know if someone might, you know, still be living in 2016 and valuing Braden Holtby a little too highly, but Markstrom is definitely the best one there. And if all NHL GMs were doing their job properly, then that would be the, the prized goalie on the market. And I think he really is. Oh, Markstrom. I mean, yeah. Yes, he is. He is by far the best goalie on the market. But, I mean, we were talking about what Vancouver is going to do in this offseason with their goalies. Um, I mean, and I don't I don't think resigning Markstrom is the move. Uh, he's getting up. He's not young at all. And he's going to command that big deal. Uh, the question is, will he get more than Lehner, do you think? Um, because I think yeah. the market gives you... Like, he's not better than Lehner. And there's no question about it. But, I, yeah, I agree with you. I think the market... Is just that now that Laner's out of the way, very early in the in the process, even before free agency opens, it opens the door for Markstrom to really cash in. And so, you know, in terms of other goalies, they're probably not too happy about the Laner because it kind of deflates the market for goalies this offseason. But if there's one guy who really benefits from having him signed early in the in the process, is definitely Jacob Markstrom. 
or Jacob, Jacob, it's Jacob, right? It's Jacob Markstrom. Jacob, Jacob, don't Jacob. Know. Yeah, Jacob. Okay, it's one Jacob. of them. And so, uh, Jakub Markstrom, uh, <laughs> you know, is yeah, he's big beneficiary, uh, bona fide starting goaltender, and guy who probably should did he get some consideration for the Vesna? If not, he should have, uh, because he was just that good. Uh, MVP for Vancouver, I would say, among them, uh, um, along with that young core, obviously. And so, uh, yeah, uh, he's in line for a very, very big payday. And just going back to the team that he's leaving or potentially leaving in Vancouver, I if I have Thatcher Demko lined up all ready to go, I don't pay Jacob, Jakub, Jakub Markstrom, whatever, what he can get from other teams uh, because you're already hamstrung by your cap, mm-hmm. you're going to need to sign Pedersen. You're going to need to sign uh, Hughes. And so why handcuff yourself even more? Because uh, you got your guy. It seems like you got your guy in Demko. And so unless you can get him for like a year or two, but I don't see that happening, as we mentioned. Yeah, I think the smart move is for Vancouver to let him go. Yeah. Uh, well, now without Leonard on the market anymore, UFA goalies, we got Markstrom, Anton Hudobin, Braden Holtby, Corey Crawford, Henrik Lundqvist, Cam Talbot, Thomas Grice, uh, Ryan Miller, Mike Smith kind of tails off here. Craig Anderson, Aaron Dell, Louis Domingue. Uh, yeah, the name's kind of tailed off there. And not to mention Fleury on the trade market. Tuka Rask is now on the TSN trade rate list. You talk about head scratchers. I don't know if, what, what Boston's doing there. And I don't think he goes anywhere, but it's weird that he made the list at all. So there, there's a very fluid goalie market. And uh, very that'll be yeah as you I think you've mentioned before one of the most interesting stories to follow this summer is where all the goalies wind up when all is said and done. Um, and if you have Wait. any thoughts about yeah, one last name I want to throw out there where uh, you know just one big question has Anton Hudobin played himself into starter money with this cup run? Uh well he's at least played himself into most expensive backup in the NHL or like uh, like tandem money I think. I think there are going to be a lot of teams that really want to, like maybe if Washington, if they don't end up with Lundqvist, Hudobin, that's a great, you know, 50-50 split option with Samsonov. Vancouver, kind of the same thing if they don't bring Markstrom back to have him split time with Thatcher Demko. Uh, Calgary, if they, um, if Cam Talbot walks, a lot of a lot of uh, teams where it's like, oh, if their other goalie walks, they'll like to have Anton Hudobin. And I think there's going to be a big bidding war for him. And I think he probably gets, uh, wait, how old is he now? He's like 34. I think there's somebody who is willing to give him like uh, three years, at least three and a half million dollars a year. And it's probably Jim Benning, if we're being honest. He's known to be like, oh, we have to step up and pay the price. So yeah, all right. Yeah, I'll say that now that uh, we're discovering new things here, we're just, we're chatting through. I am going to guess right now that Anton Hudobin is going to end up with the Canucks if Markstrom goes somewhere else then Hudobin's going yeah. to Vancouver. That's a very good prediction. You know, I think those two teams that you mentioned, Vancouver and Washington, I really think that's the perfect fit because uh, obviously it's a tandem situation, but the, both of those guys are, you know, young young goalies. And so, you know, you plug in a, a proven a vet like Hudobin, who, you know, frankly, I would not trust him with a starter's load at his age. And you showed that he really couldn't handle those back-to-backs. Obviously, hopefully you're not playing any goalie on both halves of a back-to-back. But, you know, I don't think he can handle the, the starter's workload at this point in his career. And so, yeah, I think he's like either a world's best backup or, you know, very, very good tandem goalie who, if he falls off, you better have a fall, you better have a fallback option. And I think Vancouver has that. Uh, and I think Washington has that. And so, yeah, those two teams, I agree, 
I think those are the the best fits for him. Uh, and but I don't know. In the back of my mind, it's telling me somebody's going to pay him starter money. That's not going to be either of those teams. They're going to give him like four years, uh, and they're going to regret it. I don't know. Hudobin seems like a red flag because I don't think he can carry the starters load over the uh, over a full season and potentially the playoffs. And so, yeah, red flag there. I think he works best in that tandem situation. But I I'm, I suspect that one team, at least one, will give him starter money just based on this cup run. Yeah, there are very oftentimes players who overachieve in the playoffs heading into their free agency, and then someone gives them a ridiculous contract. David Clarkson comes to mind before he signed with the Leafs. So that that actually, no, wait, that's a bad one. That was like a year after. But anyway, maybe it isn't because you're like, oh, he did well in the playoffs last year, so he must be worth it. And Hudobin kind of screams that. Corey Perry also, that's another one who might get overpaid, though it probably won't be. As bad as Hudobin, because I don't see anyone giving him more than like a two-year deal. Anyway, if you have any quick thoughts on Tristan Jari or Brian Elliott before we move on to the OEL stuff. Uh, okay, Brian Elliott, I mean, just a guy who I can't believe he's still in the league. Uh, it seems like he's been there my entire life. And so, uh, I mean, good for him. He's still there. Gets a gets a one-year contract. And Tristan Jari, uh, I mean, that's a very nice deal in terms of terms for, uh, well, in terms of money uh, cap hit for the Penguins. Uh, three... And change is cheap for a guy who proved to be your starter this year. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, will Matt Murray get traded? Uh, the eternal question continues there in Pittsburgh. Uh, we'll see if Jim Rutherford managed to screw up again. And I would not be surprised if he did so. Yeah, I think Matt Murray is going to be traded. I think it's just a matter of time. Apparently, Chicago's interested. Uh, Toronto is another name. Frederick Anderson, there's another goalie who might get traded. Uh, apparently, they're looking a lot at, at Matt Murray as a potential replacement. So, more Man, goalie stuff really? to watch. Really? Toronto, though? Like, like I'm just going to... One last quick note on these goalies. Toronto, I would not... Like, I understand that Freddie's been, you know, disappointing at times, especially in the playoffs. But Matt Murray, that's the guy you want to replace with him? Uh, that's the guy you want to replace him with? No thanks, man. I, I think Freddie Anderson's a better goalie than Matt Murray. Uh, for all you want to say about uh, cup pedigree and all that bullshit, um, I, I think Freddie's. I don't know. I, I just don't see any. Uh, I don't see any other alternative paths for for Toronto to take in terms of goalies, except for trade. And what goalies are you going to trade for that that are better than Freddie Anderson? Uh, I I don't know. Uh, I don't think it's Matt Murray. That's for sure. And so Toronto. Uh, there, I know, I understand looking for an upgrade at the goalie position, but I don't see where it's going to come from. I think, I think the best route would have been trading Anderson and then signing Laner, but that's out of the window now because he's re-signed in Vegas. And so, yeah, uh, that's, that's another team where it's just a fascinating goal situation because they seems they want to move on from Anderson, but I, I don't think that's the right move. Mm-hmm. If I'm Toronto, uh, I guess we might talk about this a little bit when we get to our, our mock draft at the end of the show, but Actually, we probably won't. If I'm Toronto, I'm trying really hard to move up to draft Yaroslav Askarov, uh, the, the goalie I'm sure you know. Uh, I don't know when he's going to be drafted. They're saying he might fall to like 13. They're saying very unlikely he drops past Carolina at 13. Good chance he goes to the top 10 even. New Jersey might be looking at him at 7. Buffalo might be looking at him number 8. Maybe Minnesota at number 9. So, but I mean, I don't know where he's going to go, but if I'm Toronto, I try really hard to trade up and draft him because I mean, otherwise you're drafting a winger. And I mean, Askarov, I think Askarov is, I think he might need like one year in the KHL, then he'll be ready to be a starter. I personally think he's that good. Uh, If you have a feeling you might disagree 
with me about that based on our Spencer Knight discussions last year, but Askarov is definitely a level above Spencer Knight. Anyway, that's enough about goalies. Uh, OEL, I guess we kind of stay on the Vancouver topic when we're talking about Oliver Ekman Larson, because apparently two teams that he would be willing to waive his full no move for are Vancouver and Boston. I assume there are other ones, just other ones haven't really shown interest. He said no to the Oilers. The Oilers were like, hey, ask him if uh, you'd want to come here. And he said no. Imagine you have McDavid and Drysettle on your team and players still don't want to come to waive their no move clauses to join you. That really says a lot about your team. Anyway, Vancouver, uh, that seems like a, a mistake if they acquire OEL uh, because he has, how, how much longer does he have? Like six years at 8.25, seven years, a very long time. And, you know, pe- people mention like, oh, if you're acquiring OEL, you're going to have to trade some more cap to go the other way. But like if even if Vancouver sends Louis Erickson back, that's like two years left. And then after that, you know, you still got OEL overpaid for a long time. And I mean, he was really good for many, many years and then kind of had one bad year. And maybe his value is lowered a little bit. But he's 29 now, I think. Uh, yeah, he's 29 years old. And some players tend to just sometimes you get to 29 30 31 you just fall off and you can never recover and he signed until 2027 so i'd be very wary of signing oel and there's talk like vancouver might be like giving up brock besser for it absolutely ridiculous i think if arizona does trade oel then because of how highly he's valued around the league they almost definitely come out winners yeah they come out winners because i don't think he's very good well like you know i think he's overrated i think he's a solid defenseman but you look at the contract, the, the contract to player value ratio here is just completely through the roof in favor of the contract. Well, like, because the contract is just terrible. It's fucking bad. Uh, this guy's got seven years left. He's already 29. He's paid like eight something million dollars. And it's a guy who, uh, you know, they thought that, you know, earlier in the season, uh, early in the season, earlier in his career, uh, this guy had like elite number one defenseman potential. You know, he's very good offensively, but like, you know, there was some t- like the, the ceiling for him was that he would develop into, you know, an elite guy. And frankly, he, the offense is there, but, you know, everything else, not exactly. And he's like a, a lackluster first pairing defenseman. And he's getting paid for the next seven years until he's like 36 years old uh, at, at a rate that's just too high for him, maybe even right now. Uh, and I don't even want to know what it's like when he's like 36, 37, 35. Uh, in that age range, uh, just no, no. And if Vancouver, holy shit, how can you even afford that? What are you doing, man? Like, yeah, like not even, not even like the trade package that you know they're rumored to give up. It just, it doesn't make sense cap wise. They can't take any more big contracts because Jim Benning screwed them over in free agency over and over and over. It's just their cap situation can't take it without giving up one of your core guys who you worked so hard to get. And it's one of, they, they finally got it after, since like they, they've been completely terrible for like nine years now since they made it that cup run. And it's just, they, they've been, they've been bad basically ever since. You have your core of the future, and you might have to give them up for pe- uh, pennies on the dollar because you're going to sign uh, overpaid old players who Jim Betting seems to have like a thing for. And so uh, OEL, really for any team, I would not advise uh, to get him. Even Boston, like that cap situation isn't great either. You're really going to hamstring yourself for the next eight years with OEL? Really? Uh, after you couldn't, you know, you, you're not going to be able to afford Tory Krug? You're going to replace him with this guy? Man, I just, I I don't see it. 
uh, for anybody because I don't advise taking on this contract. Yeah, Tory Crews definitely better than Ekman Larson, and if Boston is willing to bring in Ekman Larson for there's seven years left on that deal, eight point two five million dollars. Uh, you should, instead of doing that, be willing to give the same thing to Tory Krug. Like I think that's an overpayment for Krug also, but I would be much faster to give uh, a seven-year contract to Tory Krug without having to give up any assets in a trade than acquiring Ekman Larson to be his replacement uh, with giving up assets in a trade and who's also more expensive against the cap. Um, and I, I think most people would agree with me. Uh, we're not doing a trivia segment this week, but I have a, a little question for you because I pulled up on Cap Friendly. Uh, I'm sorting all the defensemen in the league by cap hit. Uh, how many of the top 10 can you guess? I want to see. Uh, this is next year's cap hit for the 2020-2021 season. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, we have... Okay. Wow. All right. This is like we put me on the spot. We're doing some... Okay. So... Uh, expensive defenseman. So don't take too long. Think. Just throw some names out there. Fuck, I don't know, man. Victor Hedman. Uh, yeah, he's number ten. Okay, he's number ten. Okay, so we're barely scraping by. Uh, is Shea Weber still one of the highest paid ones? Like, no, Shea Weber's number eleven. Oh man. Okay, I missed out. Uh, let's see, other guys. Uh, Drew Doughty. Uh, overpaid. Yep, right? that's number two. Eleven million bucks. Okay. Oof. Eric Carlson. That's number one, 11 and a half. Okay. Uh, why don't you I mean, try to think about why I might have pulled up this list? Because they're all fucking terrible? Like, well, not terrible, but like OEL. No, be, 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 because or, of who we were or, just talking about. Oh, right. OEL. OEL. That's number five. Or PK Subban. Yeah, that's um, number four, nine million. Okay. Uh, do I still need to keep going? Is this, are we still going? Um, hey, we can stop if you want. I can just tell you the rest. All right, go for it. Yeah, Roman Yossi is number three. Jacob Truba is number six with that $8 million contract. John Carlson, number seven. Brent Burns, number eight. And Thomas Shabbat, number nine, whose $8 million per season deal kicks in uh, kicks in next season. That's the list. A lot of those players oh, are else? bad. <laughs> well, no, not in all the, of them. In the, well, well, no, I didn't say all of them. I said a lot of them are just overpaid to hell. Holy crap. Yeah, the top uh, five. Like- we got Carlson, Dowdy, Yossi, Subban, OAL. I can find one player who's worth their contract, and that's Roman Yossi. Yeah, you look even further down the list. You got like, like Brem Burns, who's aging fast. Um, yeah, not a, not, a, not a pretty sight, I got to say. Um, anyways, uh, yeah. Fucking, really? That's the, that's that's who you want to pay, OEL? Uh, what is it? Is, is he fifth or sixth? Uh, did I just hear? Um, I, man... Just who wants that? Apparently, some teams want it. Apparently, Edmonton was asking about it, but I, I just, I don't understand it, man. Sometimes, sometimes the val- like the val- the the talent evaluation, and just like the asset management in the NHL, just you see these kind of rumors flying about, and you're like, you're just scratching your head. Like, really, that's the guy you want to acquire? Uh wow, just wow. As with any, as with any potential big trades, of course, I hope it happens for entertainment value. Uh, gl- very glad Montreal's not in the mix. And you know what? This seems like the kind of player, you know. Uh, is largely viewed as a top pairing left defenseman, a uh, position of need mm-hmm. on Montreal's current lineup. Seems like the kind of thing Mark Bergeron would be asking about, and I'm thankful he isn't. I'm thankful he's he's sitting this one out, at least apparently sitting this one out. I hope I didn't just jinx it, but I don't think I did because jinxes aren't real. Anyway, speaking of uh, of potential large deals on fire with segues today, 
Bob McKenzie said Jack Heichel might be traded, but then he said two minutes later that he definitely won't be, but everyone's freaking out about it. And I mean, it's that this is Bob McKenzie we're talking about. So there's something here. There's something here. And he, you know, I've, uh, this came out like, I think almost a week ago at this point. So I've listened to other podcasts as I do with everyone dissecting Bob McKenzie's tweets and talking about how, you know, the old Jack Eichel wants to win and Buffalo doesn't seem to have any direction. Kevin Adams has made one good trade. So maybe Jack Eichel's like, all right, I'll give this new GM a chance for like the fourth time in a row in my five-year career. But uh, Jack Eichel, I mean, I, I don't think he's going to be traded this offseason. Neither does Bob McKenzie. Neither does most people who are talking about this. But I mean, maybe the, the fact that this is worth reporting on uh, goes to show maybe the clock is ticking a little bit. And if Buffalo doesn't show any progress this season, like maybe even if they, you know, progress for Buffalo might be don't go on a 10-game losing streak. Be in the playoff conversation in well, during the trade deadline. That's how low the bar is. And maybe that's enough for Jack Heckle to be like, all right, I'll stick around. But if they have another terrible season, like a sixth consecutive terrible embarrassing season in a row then that's where i think jack Eichel is like all right i'm done here i mean i think yeah it's just you said it the clock is, seems to be ticking on jack eichel and if you're counting on results uh to keep him here and you know to keep him content i mean i just he said i don't see it happening uh the team still sucks around him and uh yeah you saw it this season uh just i mean they couldn't make the fucking extended playoffs and this is supposed to be a year where I think they, they wanted to take a step forward. Just couldn't do it. They're just a bad team. Uh, I don't know what else to add. Uh, you're just, it's a terrible organization. And so, you know, you, you see this kind of thing. And like, I uh, yeah, he's not going to get traded this offseason. But when these reports start coming out, you kind of get an idea of, uh-oh. Uh, yeah, maybe he will be in the next couple of years if things keep uh, going south. And Buffalo is an exceptional situation because all they do is go south. And so, you know, uh, yeah, you see these kind of rumors and you think, okay, maybe they'll be better. Uh, The team will be better next year. And and you look at Buffalo and you're like, "Mm, it's not happening. It's fucking not happening. Uh, Team's terrible. And so, uh, yeah, just because, yeah, the the organization is cursed uh, because of how poorly they're they're, they're run as a franchise. And also just the talent on paper is not good at all. And so it's just a combination, man. Like, uh, yeah, he's rotting away in Buffalo, man. He's rotting away. This guy's a bonafide franchise number one center and it's just it's rotten nobody nobody around him to support yeah this is a really interesting more years yeah man that's a terrible deal but this is an interest buffalo is a really fun team to look at because they have so many rfas and so few forwards especially signed for next season sam reinhardt victor rolofson dominic cahoon all RFAs this summer, and there are a ton more. So Kevin Adams does have an opportunity if he wants to really shake things up, which uh, hopefully he does because they've been really bad for a long time. This is probably the best year possible you could have come in to do that in terms of looking at how the the contracts are lining up. And I was going to say something else about Buffalo, but I don't remember what it was. Uh, hmm. Oh, well. Oh, this is what I was going to say. I don't think a lot of fans... Really, because we sometimes we rag on GMs for you know not making trades enough or complaining that their jobs are too hard, but like Kevin Adams apparently, I think Bob McKenzie said like as soon as he got the job in Buffalo, within days he had gotten multiple calls from multiple GMs. Hey, do you want to trade Eichel? Do you want to talk about trading Jack Eichel? Like absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous stuff. Just think like 
like GMs are probably constantly calling each other to ask about, you know, the team's best players just to say, hmm, is there anything here? Can I manage to fleece you miraculously? Nope. All right. So they're somewhat doing their due diligence. Like, I don't know, it's a little funny to think of it that way, but apparently the Rangers were one of the teams that were really pushing, really interested. They'd probably have to give up something like, like Jacob Truba plus the first overall pick. And even that might not be enough. They might have to throw in like Zabanajad or something. I don't know. It would absolutely be ridiculous. But uh, I don't think Eichel's going anywhere now. But whenever it is, uh, I don't think... I think Buffalo's going to have a very hard time winning that trade, no matter what's coming back the other way. Yeah. I mean, there just aren't many players the caliber of Jack Eichel. Uh, I think he's underrated in the league because he's just his team sucks so hard. Uh, and so, you know... He's just, he's an elite talent. And so, you know, I don't blame the GMs. I certainly don't blame the GMs for going and calling the guy. Uh, you know, it's just, it's new management. And so who knows uh, what is, what his perspective on things are. And so uh, you give him a ring and you see, yeah, can I please this guy? Can I even get him to like consider any sort of offer for Jack Eichel? Because yeah, any offer for Jack Eichel, unless like Connor McDavid is going the other way, you're probably winning. <laughs> I mean, if you're getting Jack Eichel onto your team. Uh, and so, uh yeah, I mean, it's it's not surprising that teams are calling because yeah, you, it's 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 a new general manager. You want to see where his head is at. You know, you're kind of feeling him out, uh, seeing where what he thinks and where you can possibly place him in the future. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting and it's uh, it's predictable. I mean, you look at the Buffalo team. I mean, what the thing is, who else are you calling Kevin Adams to to, to try to acquire? That's a real question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like, <laughs> Reinhardt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, Sam Reinhardt, sure. Um. Rasmus Ristolainen, I'm sure Jim Rutherford would love some of that on the bottom pair. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so, I mean, if you're a competent GM, there's really nobody else really worth calling for uh, at this point. And so, yeah, Jack Eichel. Um, you know, any predictions for uh, if and when he's going to leave? Uh, I don't think he's going to get traded. Uh, if I had to place money somewhere, Jack Eichel is staying in Buffalo. I think they do get a little bit better this season. I think Eric Stahl will be a boost, and I think they'll get a, a good starting goalie one way or another. So I think they'll show improvement, and that'll be enough for Jack Eichel to be like, all right, I'll stick around, I guess. So I don't think he goes anywhere. Okay, all right. I give him three years. I think by three years, this man's... Okay, yeah, that's a hot take. But, you know, it would just be the cherry on top for uh, our fans over there in Buffalo if uh, this guy is traded. Uh, what's his name? Dwayne? Dwayne from Buffalo? Yep. Uh, uh, let's set him a fat present. I'm saying three years, but in three years, uh, in the next three years, Jack Eichel will be traded for not enough. Wow. Hot takes, hot takes coming here from oh, yeah. all the way ranging from Jack Eichel will not be traded to Jack Eichel will be traded in three years. The spicy stuff Crazy. over here. Crazy. Fusion and hockey all podcast. Right. So, uh, qualifying offers. Today's the deadline. Uh, there's a very good chance the deadline has passed by the time you're listening to this because the deadline, as we record this, is under five hours away. It's at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, Montreal and Winnipeg now, I think, are the only two teams who have officially announced who they are and are not tendering qualifying offers to. No surprises on Montreal's uh, from Montreal's perspective. Domi got a qualifying offer. Victor Mete, uh, Charles Houdon, Xavier Wallet, I think. Uh, I think I'm missing one name, but anyway, everyone got qualifying offers except for Aaron Luchuk, Andrew Sturtz, and Antoine Waked. Three names that no casual fan, or even some slightly more than casual fans, would have ever heard of before. So uh, I guess 
Thank you for your your br- somewhat brief service. Luchuk was there for like a couple weeks playing with the Laval Rocket, I think. Wackhead's been go, uh, jumping around with the Rocket for a couple years. And Andrew Sturtz, I think, was a... Uh, oh, he was part of the return on the um, the Mike Riley trade when they sent him to Ottawa. So he wasn't here that long either. But, uh, you know, see you around. See you around, you three, I guess. Good luck with the, the rest of your career. Uh, Winnipeg, on the other hand, uh, they sent a, a qualifying offer to all their RFAs, except for Michael Spacek, who's going to become a UFA. And I remember him, I think he had like a super good World Junior like four years ago. I always thought he was kind of promising. Uh, so that, that one's interesting. Let me see what he's been up to, What is at least what his numbers have looked like. Yeah, he's 23 years old only. Uh, fourth round pick in 2015. And he had 20 points in 45 AHL games. So that looks like a decent AHL right now. I guess unlikely to amount to much more than that. And he's played two games in the preseason in the Finnish Liga this season with one assist in two games. So uh, I think you could probably get a two-way contract somewhere. Yeah. I mean, sure. Sure, I'll be keeping tabs on Michael (laughs) Michael Spacek, the only guy who didn't get a qualifying offer from the Jets. And so, yeah, I think the last guy is uh, Noah Yolson on the Habs, who also got a qualifying offer, and no surprise there. And so, uh, just... Cool, man. It would have been it would have been real news if any of these guys had not gotten a qualifying offer, but uh, they did. They did, and they got you know like Xavier Gwalek got a qualifying offer, Victor Matei got a qualifying offer, and you still signed Joel Edmondson. Um, <laughs> forever salty. That's forever salty. And uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, well, if you're trying, you to can literally twist anything, time, even a normal regular thing to do, like qualify Matei and Wallet. You're gonna somehow make that about how Edmondson is a bad contract. Hell yeah, man! That's my it's my bid for the next four four years. How many con- four years? So uh, yeah, hold on to your hats, people. Uh, at every moment, um, I will be roasting the shit out of this. All right, there you go. Okay, just with these qualifying offers, usually there isn't much earth shattering news, but there are at least a couple every year. Like, oh, that's a pretty good player who just joined the UFA market, like and Michael it looks Spachek. like the team. Uh, not no, not quite Michael Spachek. Some actual NHL players, and it looks like uh, the team to watch for that this year is the Oilers, because they are apparently maybe not going to qualify Andreas Athanasiu, who they gave up two second round picks for at the trade deadline, and then decided uh, wasn't as good as they hoped he would be, and that they're not going to qualify him. And uh, I don't know if there's any truth to that, Bruh. but we will find out today if that's another good middle six winger topping into the UFA pool. And uh, Matthew Benning is another one. Uh, Matthew Michael. It's Matthew. Yeah, Michael is the uh, the draft-eligible one this year. Matthew Benning is the one on the Oilers. They might not be qualifying him either, so not as big a name as Athens to you, but a uh, bottom pair defenseman. I think uh, I think you could definitely make the argument. So t- those are two players coming out of the Oilers who, may be, uh, join- who might be becoming UFAs in the next few days. Wow. Really? Athens to you? I didn't see that rumor. Um, if he's not qualified, I mean, wow, just incredible. Just just a piece of work out there in Edmonton, I got to say. Uh, okay, you just traded. Yeah, well, the rumor was a couple <laughs> weeks you... ago they were trying yeah. really hard to trade him because they didn't want to qualify him, and they'd obviously you know, prefer to trade him than lose him for nothing. Mm. It does happen sometimes that you won't qualify a player and then try to sign them for cheaper. Um, that definitely happens. It's not too uncommon. I have a feeling that's maybe not what not what's going on with uh, the Oilers and Athens, especially since they've you know publicly tried to get rid of him. So uh, 
yeah, interesting to keep tabs on on Double A as nobody really calls him. What the hell are they doing, man? What kind of incompetence is this? <laughs> what are your scouts doing? What are your NHL scouts doing? Uh, if you get a guy at the deadline, he plays like how many games? Like 10 games? And then that's it? You paid two second round picks for the guy? And that's it? You're done here? Uh, we're not even going to qualify the guy. because He's an RFA and we won't even qualify him. I mean, Terrible just, optics. Just, oh my God. Are you kidding me? Just completely, just straight up buffoonery after losing in five games to Chicago. Uh just what the hell are you doing? Uh Edmonton. Wow. Wow. And it's just yeah. And you wonder why Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisidel, why they can't make any deep runs to the playoffs. It's because of clown shit like this. Alright, so uh are you ready to do our mock draft? Hell yeah. Let's go. Alright, but but first, uh, I just want to say that even though we're not actually doing it right away because I have something I want to do first. Uh so this will be our our second mock draft. We did the right after the first phase of the draft lottery, uh, when we didn't know who had the first pick yet, uh, because it was it went to Team E. We did a, a first round mock draft, and obviously now we know what the order is, so it'll be a little closer to reality because the draft is two days away. Uh, but before that, there's a really cool website that I've been uh, playing around with a lot as of late. It's called DraftProspectsHockey.com, kind of on the nose, and they have a uh, a like an interactive draft simulation mock draft option so we're not going to use it for our mock draft but i just want to do one quick little activity with it so how it works basically you can pick whatever team you want to control i'll pick montreal and you can pick how many rounds you want to do up all the way from one to seven you can adjust for like randomness factor team needs factor and the the picking algorithm i guess and you can pick if you want it to use like their rankings from their website or Bob McKenzie's rankings. So I've been picking Bob McKenzie since no offense to this website. That's probably closer to reality. And you press go and you can sim all the picks that of the teams you don't have, or you can actually make the picks for them. So I can just pick Lafreniere for the Rangers. And what I'm just going to do, I'm going to just once sim through the first two rounds of the draft. And we're going to decide together, you and you and I, Ty say, uh, who we want Montreal to pick. Uh, how, how this draft board plays out. You ready? All right, let's go. Okay, L.A. takes Tim Stutzla. Ottawa takes Jamie Drysdale. That's a oh. surprise. Detroit takes Byfield. Ottawa, okay. fifth overall. Cole Perfetti. Anaheim, Marco Rossi. I'm just hitting sim pick, sim pick, sim pick. New Jersey takes Alexander Holtz. Buffalo Ooh, takes Lucas, Lucas Raymond. Raymond. That's a steal. Minnesota yeah. got Jake Sanderson. Winnipeg, Jack Quinn. Nashville takes Dawson Mercer. We've still got uh, the goalie Askarov and Anton Lundell are both still on the board. Florida takes Anton Lundell. There he goes. Carolina takes Caden Gooley. Edmonton oh boy. goes with <laughs> Hendricks Lapierre. We got Askarov has fallen all the way to Toronto at number 15. I, I uh, do they take him? Yes, they do. Yaroslav oh, Askarov goes to Toronto. So now it's Montreal's pick. Now it's Montreal's pick. We've got Seth Jarvis okay. on the board. We've got Rodion Amirov on the board, two players we profiled. Uh, I'll just list some other ones. Food for Thought, Dylan Holloway, Braden Schneider, Lucas Reichel, Jacob Perot, Connor Zeri, JJ Paterka, Maverick Bork, Noel Gundler, all still available. Uh, personally, I'm leaning towards Seth Jarvis, but if you much prefer Rodion Amirov, then I'm not too opposed to that one either. Uh, you know, out of those two, I think I would lean... Amirov, but hey, man, either one of those guys would be good. I know. I think we heard some rumors coming out of Montreal for their first round pick. They want to take 
was it? Were they eyeing Gooley. Schneider? Gooley? No, they like Caden okay. Gooley, apparently, which uh, is very worrisome for me. Ouch. So hopefully, wait, he's taken in this draft, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Carolina took him in this draft, oh, okay. even though in real All life, right. hopefully... uh, Tom Dundon. Yeah. In real life, Tom Dundon said Carolina's oh, yeah. never taking a defenseman in the first round, but uh, I guess that doesn't take this into account. Yeah, hopefully somebody will, you know, take the keys away from Mark Bergeret on the Kaylee Goulet car by, you know, taking him before uh, the Habs come up because uh, no thanks. And uh, yeah, so Jarvis or Amirov, either is good. Um, Let's go with Jarvis. Sure. Let's go with Jarvis then. Okay. Boom. Seth Jarvis. All right. Now I'm I'm not gonna sim through. I can just hit sim to my pick, and it goes through all of them, so I don't have to go click, click, click. And we'll see you still there in the second round for Montreal at picks 47 and 48. Let's see. Well, we've got Ozzy Weisblatt. We've got Lucas Cormier, who we profiled last week. We got Ronnie Irvinen, who we've profiled as well. Uh, let's see. Lots of Brandon Coe, Emil Andre is still on the board. Uh, Damon Hunt, not such a big fan of him. Daniel Torgerson, Brock Faber, all options. And we have two back-to-back picks. So any names stand out to you? Uh, Sick-ass name. I would take Ozzy Wiesblatt uh, with my second-round pick. If I'm all right. There, what do you think? Yeah. I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking Emil Andre. It's very hard to pass on him, falling all the way to 47. I know on Bob's list he's 67, which is pretty ridiculous. But I think he's definitely, a, at the very least, an early second-round ten second round talent and I probably wouldn't be too happy if Montreal passed on him here. So I'd, I'd like Emil Andre, uh, Ozzy Wiesblad, definitely an option. Ronnie Irvin, kind of a fan of him too. So I'd like one of those two for the other one. Okay. Good stuff. Are we doing another, wait, the Habs have another pick, right? Like, right yeah, they have back to back picks. So we have two okay. players to, right. to choose. So let's Andre and like Wiesblad. Andre? Let's go. Bang, bang. Andre and Wiesblad. All right. So that is a first two rounds. We got a pair of right wingers, Seth Jarvis and Ozzy Wiesblatt, and Emil Andre, left shooting defenseman. So that is that was fun. I enjoyed that. Hope I didn't put you What's on the up? spot too much. No, we're good. We're good. All right. Okay. Okay. So okay. now we're gonna do well, our we're... our alternating mock draft like we did. Uh. So hmm. last time we did this, you no. Uh, I had the odd picks because we had Montreal picking ninth. And so, you know what? Since I had Montreal's first rounder last time, I'll let you take the reins on Montreal's first rounder this time. So you can take the even picks again, and I'll go with the odds, if that's what you wish. I'm very good with that. Let's go. All right, cool. So uh, Rangers first overall, Lafreniere. That's the easy stuff. Got that out of the way right away. Your turn. All right. Uh, Kings, uh, you know, uh, there's Stutzel Byfield debate, but I'm still firmly in the Quentin Byfield camp. Byfield, number two. All right. Yeah. Funny because apparently a lot of people are getting the sense that LA is leaning towards uh, Stuzel. Like, if I had to predict how the top six plays out, maybe this is a discussion for a little later, but whatever. I'm already onto it now. I'd probably say the Kings take Stutzla. Ottawa takes Byfield. Apparently, Detroit loves Cole Perfetti and they want to go with Perfetti. Uh, Ottawa also has been talking a lot to Lucas Raymond. So I would probably I kind of have a hunch they would they would go with Raymond at number five and that leaves Drysdale for Anaheim at number six. That'd be my, my prediction, uh, leaving Marco Rossi all the way at number seven. But anyway, Ottawa, wow. if you take Byfield at number two, LA, then Ottawa is going with Tim Stutzla at number three. Okay, uh, Detroit. I know they got their. Uh, I think they they picked the defenseman last year. Uh, who's it? Most most Moritz Moritz Cider. Cider. There we go. Uh, but 
Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I think Drysdale's the, the nice fit there. But, hey, man, if you say they're not going to go there, uh, the next best player, I think, would be Lucas Raymond. Um, maybe Marco Rossi. But you know what? I'll just I'll stick with what I what I got. I'll go with Jamie Drysdale, number four, to Detroit. All right. So I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, we've got the exact same order for the top four that we had last time when we did this in, like, early July. Uh, I'm going to – I try to balance with mock drafts a mix of, like, the players I really like and a mix of prediction. And the fact that I think Ottawa is leaning towards Lucas Raymond at five and that the difference between uh, who I think is the best player available, Marco Rossi, and Lucas Raymond isn't that big, then I will put Lucas Raymond here in Ottawa's slot, fifth overall. Okay. All right. Uh, then I will take uh, the other guy that you were uh, mentioning, Marco Rossi. Uh, solid dynamo four. I think I'm picking for Anaheim right now. So the Anaheim Ducks, Marco Rossi. Uh-huh. Yep. New Jersey, I think they are pleased to get Cole Perfetti at number seven because I probably, if I had to guess, he's probably gone by then in real life. Uh, but I think I think those are definitely the best seven. I think there's a bit of a, a bit of a, a chasm after the seventh pick there. So that, that was a pretty easy one, Cole Petty to the Devils. And they've also got like, you know, they got Hisher and Hughes, uh, two pretty good centers, and Perfetti can play center or wing. So that's a pretty nice fit as well. Yeah. Okay. So we're off to uh, Buffalo now. And so, uh, you know, we just talked about Buffalo and how they need to uh, get some help for our boy Jack Eichel. And so let's give him a goal-scoring winger. Let's give him Alexander Holtz. All right. That is that is a very good fit for, for Buffalo, I think. Uh, Minnesota at number nine. If I had to predict, I, I think Sanderson is probably... Uh, not going to fall much further than this. But, you know, I'm not going to use the prediction stuff here because I think Minnesota, if they have the choice between Sanderson and Lundell, I think especially... I know you don't draft for fit, but I think these players are pretty close in value. And Minnesota having, especially after trading Eric Stahl, nothing at center in the pipeline. I think that's the, I think that's the smart thing for them to do is to take Anton Lundell. Okay. All right. Nice pick there. Um, Winnipeg. And so, uh, here's the range where, you know, a scout, we start wondering, but, uh, Winnipeg's not one of those teams, obviously they got Hellebuck there. And so, uh, yeah, uh, I'm thinking either Jack Quinn or, uh, Jake Sanderson and, uh, the battle of the Jays. And I just think, you know, I, I would go fit on this one. Uh, just based prediction. I, as I've, as I've said before, I'm lower on Sanderson than a lot of people. I think we both are, uh, just based on his offensive ceiling. But, uh, I mean, for Winnipeg, <laughs> they need a defenseman uh, and now. And so, uh, I mean, really, Sanderson has got a very high floor. And so, yeah, sure, I'll send him to Winnipeg, Jake Sanderson. Yeah, I think this top 10 did shake out pretty similarly to our first one. And I think we said, I think we did mock draft Sanderson to Winnipeg the first time too. And I said what I'm going to say again, that that's like the dream scenario for the Jets to get Jake Sanderson at number 10. If I had to predict, I think he's probably gone by then in, in the real world. But anyway, Nashville at number 11. This is where, you know, I'm going to send Yaroslav Askarov to Nashville. I think uh, pure talent-wise, he's a top 10 pick. Uh, might not happen because especially with goalies, if you have a goalie that you're locked in for a long time, like Winnipeg does with Hellebuck, then there's no need to draft someone like Askarov. Nashville, Rene's uh, his career is probably almost done. UC Saros, I mean, you know, He's he's pretty good. He had a pretty good season. But first of all, I think Iskarov is the best value pick here. 
Uh, I know, you know, scoring punch of Jack Quinn may be nice, but like, man, franchise goalie, that's so hard to pass up on this guy. Because you talk about like, for whatever reason, a lot of people seem to switch draft philosophies when they're talking about goalies. Like you're talking about drafting for high ceiling all the time. You know, you want to get the, the boomer bust player who can be a superstar. And all of a sudden, when you switch it to goalies, you talk, oh, but a lot of first round goalies don't pan out. But like, yeah, you swing for the fences and you try to get the player who, you know, someone like Carey Price or Andre Vasilevsky can, you know, just be a, a cornerstone of your franchise for a really long time. So I think, I think Nashville, I think Askarov, if he's still there for Nashville at 11, then I don't think that's a bad pick at all. Yeah. You know, the, I, I think I, I like Askarov more than, you know, I didn't like the Spencer Knight pick last year. Because, well, you know, uh, goalie picks, yeah, maybe my philosophy does change a bit for goalies. I just, I don't know. It's just, it's, maybe I should change that a bit. Maybe I should review my philosophies because, I don't know, it just, the goalies, eh, it makes me scratch my head a little bit. But Bascaro is different because the difference here is the quality of competition, I think. Uh, Scarrow was playing in the KHL and, uh, you know, Spencer Knight was playing in the with the U.S. national development team last year. And so I think there's a big difference. I just think there's a gap in competition. Eskarov is just ridiculous against KHL competition. And so you mentioned earlier about, you know, he might be ready sooner than, you know, than is expected for a goalie. Uh, I could absolutely see it. This guy's playing in the pros and he's playing really fucking good in the pros. Uh, like, uh, you know, and he I was think like rookie of me, the week or something in the first week of the yeah. season or goalie of the week. And he had crazy numbers. I know it's just yeah, a week. For me personally, like... I know it's weird that like you don't usually see right the, the the like you don't you wouldn't see this in a normal year you wouldn't see them playing this season right like the draft would have happened four months ago i think it's an interesting i think it's you know personally i see how iskarov he plays so freaking well yeah goalie of the week and whatnot his stats are stupid uh and yeah uh, this guy looks pro ready it's it's right the thing with goalies is uh they just take a while to become pro ready and it looks like iskarov is and so yeah i like I've, I've really turned the corner on Yaroslav Askarov. Uh, this guy really seems like a real deal playing in the KHL already. Anyways, uh, so yeah, uh, moving on. Uh, who do I have? Florida now? Florida. Yeah. Uh, just best player available, I think, I think it's Jack Quinn at this point. And so uh, just going to just gonna slide that in there. Jack Quinn. Yeah, I don't. I think that's a pretty pretty good thing. I think Florida, they're in an awkward spot, I think, the drafts this year because they really need – centers and defensemen, not such a great position to be in of really needing centers and defensemen because those are very hard positions to acquire in uh, your pipeline and in the, you know, for your, for your present day team. But uh, where they're picking is probably going to be where a bunch of wingers are the best players available. Sanderson will almost definitely be gone. Anton Lundell will probably be gone. And the next best best, uh, centers available are, I don't know, Hendrix LaPierre, maybe Seth Jarvis, if you think he can play center, but I don't know. Speaking of Seth Jarvis, that's who I think is the 13th best player in this draft, and that's who I am mock drafting to Carolina. I think that's a great fit. Uh, They love drafting forwards in the first round, and I don't think that's the worst philosophy to have. I think the offensive ceiling on this guy is, uh, is comparable to some of the top players in the draft, and I think he would fit in great with the Hurricanes. Okay. Or Montreal. All right, number Number fourteen, I got uh, got my boys at Edmonton. Uh, yeah, let me think. Who would they pick? And so you just pick Jarvis. Hmm. You know, I think I think I'll go. I think I'll go Dawson Mercer, and I think he's uh like the best player available, uh, if not like the second best. And so yeah, stick with that. Dawson Mercer to Edmonton. Uh, you know, 
no no defenseman that they can take for like a third straight year. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, let's go. Oh, don't be surprised if they end up going with Caden Gooley on draft day. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, don't be surprised. And I'd be pretty glad about that because what our mock draft is about to have occur is what is, in my personal opinion, nightmare scenario for Montreal. Toronto takes Rodion Amirov here. I think he is now uh, decidedly the best player available. Left winger, we profiled him. Uh, played, I think, about 20 games in the KHL this year and uh, has a very good all-around game. And the reason I call this the nightmare scenario, scenario for Montreal is because there seems to be a consensus top 12 who we drafted in the t- top 12 just now who will most probably all be gone by the time Montreal is picking. But in my opinion, Jarvis, Amiral, Mercer are the next three kind of in the tier by themselves, at least from my perspective. And I would love Montreal to get any of them. So if they're all gone, then all of a sudden we're looking at a situation where I have no idea what Montreal is going to do. I would expect them to take Kane Gooley. Luckily for our mock draft, uh, I don't expect you'll take Kane Gooley, but I'm very interested to see what player you'll go with because I have absolutely no idea what you're thinking. Yeah, fucking nightmare scenarios, right? Uh, man, what will I do? Uh, so yeah, just... I mean, if, if, if we get to this point, I would 100% expect Bergeron to take Gooley and then, uh, you know, to shatter my draft uh, joy uh, right there on the spot. And so, uh, yeah, who do I take? Um, you know, the Habs need some wingers. And, like, the best winger here, who would it be? It would probably be J.J. Paterka. You got a couple of centers that I could consider. Um, you know, maybe, hmm, I mean... Noah Gunler, Noah Gunler is another winger that could be there. Hendricks Lapierre is a guy who, yeah, injury question marks, injury question yeah. marks. I don't That's know if you thing, saw right? Lapierre though. I don't know if this will really change your mind. Uh, he started with the QMJHL preseason with Shakutami, and I think he had a, like a, a four point game in his debut, and everyone's like, "Oh, look, he's better now. Now he's gonna immediately have his has his stock skyrocketed, and he's gonna be a slam dunk top fifteen pick." Wouldn't quite go that far. It's just one game. But uh, it could be a little reassuring for anyone who really wants to take him. The fact that he seems to be doing very well at the beginning of this QMJHL season. Yeah. Okay. Why not then? I mean, the ceiling is there on the guy. Uh, you know, he's got speed. He's a playmaker. And so, yeah, sure. Let's roll the dice if I'm the Habs. I'll take sick name. Uh, a lot of these have pretty cool names, but Hendrix Lapierre is up there. All right. Uh, cool. And so I'll take him with a Habs pick. Uh, yeah, I know, would not wouldn't be, be too, too pleased if this is out, but yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be too mad if, if obviously, if that's how the top fifteen plays out, then Lapierre, uh, I'm pretty okay with that. I think, like, I'd be considering probably Noel Gundler, Maverick Bork, uh, all names to to think about, but Lapierre, I like that one. I like that one. Okay, so, uh, so yeah. I've got Chicago at number seventeen, and hmm, see, I'm trying, I'm trying to balance, like, you know, what I would do and what's a prediction, and with Noel Gundler ranked like 28 or 29 on Bob's list, I'm inclined to think he probably won't go in the top 20. Uh, I don't remember where Maverick Bork is listed, but I think he's the late 20s as well. Uh, Connor Zary, that's an interesting one. Hmm, lots of options here. Dylan Holloway also. I'm not too high on him, but apparently the Oilers really like him, and a lot of people seem to think he's going in the top 20. So, no, I'll wait on Dylan Holloway. Won't take him quite yet. I'll go with... I'll go with uh, Whatever, whatever. I'll go with Gundler because I think he's the best one here. And you know what? Maybe Chicago does too because Bob's list, it's just a list. Who cares? Noah Gundler to Chicago at 17. There's my pick. Nice. Um, yeah, Dylan Holloway, man, the ceiling. 
It's just, I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, okay. So who do I have? Uh, let me just check the list here. I have the New Jersey Devils uh, with the 18th pick. And, hmm, who shall I take? Shall I take Connor Zaria? I'm, I'm thinking either Zaria or Paterka. Uh, hmm. You know, I think I'll take... I think I'll take Paterka on this one. Uh, a German mm. boy who we've already profiled. And so, yeah, JJ Paterka at 18. All right. Interesting. Because uh, I think I don't. I think it was in 31 Thoughts or maybe somewhere else. Uh, oh, it was Corey Pronin maybe on The Athletic. Said the Devils uh, feel pressure. I don't know if it's like from the owners or whatever, but they Ooh. feel pressure, quote unquote, to end up with one of the consensus top four defensemen uh, in this draft. Wow. Uh, which is either well, which is um probably with the 18th or 20th picks, Gouli or Schneider. They really want to go. So I think, uh, if you get to 18th pick, and Gouli and Schneider are at least one of them still available, I think New Jersey probably goes with one of those two. That's my guess. I don't know. I won't be picking for New Jersey in this draft besides uh Cole Perfetti, seventh overall. If you want to take that little piece of information into account when you're uh, making that pick for New Jersey in about a minute then uh, do it. If not, then by all means, do do whatever you like. Calgary, though, I'm picking for at number 19. They drafted Jacques Peltier with their first rounder last year out of the QMJHL. And I think maybe they go back to the QMJHL again and take Maverick Bork. I'm a really big fan of his. Uh, I think he's on like 25 or 26 on Bob's list, but I think he's a top 20 talent. A uh, lot of offensive skill, high ceiling, high smarts. And, I mean, not such a priority, but he's a right shot. And for whatever reason, Calgary can never seem to get any right shot forwards on their team besides, like, Elias Lindholm, especially in their top six. So, uh, Maverick Bork to Calgary, 19th overall. All right. Uh, Maverick and Hendricks, just two excellent, excellent names in the first <laughs> round. Um, okay, so I'll take that defenseman information. But, you know, I, I just I don't like Gooley, and I don't like Schneider. I just, what do they... Like, they're nice floors. Oh, you're taking so a Wallander? Nice I, mm-mm, damn right I am, baby. Oh, of course uh, you are. Might not be a top four consensus defenseman, but he's in my top four consensus defenseman. Like, consensus with myself. That's not what a consensus um, is. It's okay, all right? All <laughs> the parts of my brain are in agreement with the fact that William Wallander is one of the top four defensemen in this draft, baby. Let's go. Uh, right in the top 20. My boy. Straight out of Sweden, William Wallander to the Devils. All right. Yeah, all right. Uh, don't see that happening in real life, but uh, you know what? Express your oh, opinion no. in our mock draft. No problem at all. Uh, meanwhile, I can't envision a scenario where Gooley falls outside the top 20. And Columbus, who's picking 21st overall, uh, kind of a thin pipeline on defense. So if, by some miracle, Caden Gooley falls to 21st overall, uh, then uh, Columbus, I think, is definitely taking that one. So Caden Gooley mock, dra- mock drafting him to Columbus, number 21. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so I have the New York Rangers. And so, you know, do I just take the other defensive guy in Schneider? But, like, you know, New York's pretty solid on defensemen. They got some young guys who Especially seem to be right. doing pretty well. Yeah, and so, you know, but like, you know, drafting positionally, ah, whatever. Uh, let me think. Okay, best guy on my board right now is uh, Connor Zary. And so let's just, yeah, I don't see them taking an offenseman, so we'll just go with Connor Zary instead. That's a pretty sweet pick, number 22, I think. 
And they need some centers yeah. in the pipeline also. Yeah, exa- I was just about to say, exactly. Like, they're thin on center over there. Uh-huh. Well, who couldn't use centers in the pipeline? But the Rangers especially sure. could. Uh, Philadelphia, number 23. I feel like this exact same thing happened in our other mock draft, where I ended up going with, like, Gooley 21 and Schneider 23. Because I'm, I'm going with Braden Schneider 23 again. I think Philadelphia, I mean, oh, no. they have some pretty good young defensemen. Prover of Sandheim. Not much on the, the right side, really besides Philip Myers, and you don't draft positionally, I know, but that's kind of just a little, little added bonus, the fact that Schneider shoots right, and he probably doesn't fall outside the top 20 either on draft day, even though like I probably wouldn't want to pick him until the mid-second round. But, uh, but that, uh, yeah, yeah, you understand. And he's also a Brandon Wheat King, which I think I'm trying to think... Um, uh, oh, wait, never mind. Ron Hextall I was thinking of, who's not with the... Flyers anymore like to he played for the Wheat Kings and he liked drafting Wheat Kings but uh I guess that doesn't really apply anymore okay we love our uh what is we love our junior team nepotism here in the NHL um okay all right I got the Capitals hmm the Capitals like you know I was gonna take the other I was gonna take Snyder if you know he was gonna fall but like yet again you take yeah you take the Snyder Goulet combo because I think I'm just I'm just that low on them that I don't want to pick them until you eventually do so. Uh, where to the point where they're definitely not going to fall that low, but like, yeah, you know, exactly. Eh, like, if like, I was solely know, doing yeah. this as a prediction, they're both in the top 20, probably. Ghoulie might go like yeah. 14 to Edmonton and Schneider, like 18 to New Jersey or something. Mm-hmm, absolutely, but uh, you know, yeah, I think we're uh, me in particular, just not big fans of them as prospects. Uh, so uh, Washington, hmm. Who would I take? I mean, yeah, just, I guess, best player available. I mean, who, like, I could take Lucas Reichel, Marek Kusnadinov, another pretty good name. Uh, is it time for Dylan Holloway? Eh, maybe not. Jacob Perot, perhaps. He's got a nice shot. Okay, I'll go. I'll go, uh, hmm, Lucas. I think I'll go with uh, our, our third German uh, in the first round. Lucas Reichel. Boom. All right. Yeah, he probably does go in that range. I think he's 20 on Bob's list. But a player who, a third consecutive player I'm taking, I'm like, oh, they're probably gone by now in real life. Dylan Holloway. Uh, I think he's going to go top 20 on draft day, maybe even top 15. So I'm mock drafting him to Colorado here at number 25. Uh, Personally, I might prefer Kuznadinov. In fact, I definitely would prefer Kuznadinov. I think that's a great player. Yan Meshack also I'd consider but uh holloway at 25 would be largely looked at as a very good value pick if it did happen in real life not that colorado really needs another one but there you go yeah there we go um yeah but then again that would i dylan hallway some real question marks on that ceiling moving on st louis uh yeah you talked about kusnadinov thinks he's the best player next uh next best player available just uh, at this point that's what you got to do you're not you know not really drafting too positionally at this point. So, yeah. Merritt, Chris Nadino, to the Blues. Book it. All right. Anaheim Ducks, 27th overall. You took Marco Rossi, 6. You took the forward. Uh, I think I think we're going to be going with the defenseman here at number 27 overall. Uh, decent ceiling, pretty high floor. Helga Granz, another Swedish defenseman uh, after, after Wallander. Uh, Anaheim needs some defensemen in the pipeline. I think this one's pretty good, uh, pretty good value in the late first round. And I don't think the difference between uh, someone like Jacob Perot and Yan Meshack 
or Helga Grands is uh is that big to be honest in terms of value. So Helga Grands to the Ducks, that's what I think would go. And teams with multiple first round picks also like uh I wouldn't have this philosophy per se. Well, depending on the the circumstance, a lot of times they seem to they seem to want to pick like a forward and a defenseman or something. Actually, maybe that's I, wait wait can I change my pick? Can I change my pick? Go for it. Yeah, I'm I'm changing my pick. It. Yeah, I know Helga Grands. Jacob Perot definitely uh oh, has man. the much higher oh, ceiling. Sense. Yeah, sorry sorry about that. But Jacob Perot, uh, very high ceiling as a a uh, you know a, a scoring forward. Uh, great shot, great offensive tools. Uh, it's really a boomer bust pick. And you know, I think the Ducks um they've got a lot of forwards in the system and not a lot of defensemen. But I think well, and they're picking pretty soon after this thirty sixth overall. Also, maybe they take a defenseman there. But I think Perot is out of everyone left highest ceiling. Uh, I in my estimation. All right, uh, we're heading into the part of the draft where, frankly, I just don't know the people. We've run out of guys that I've profiled. Well, not we haven't run out of them, but like you know. Running low on the knowledge here on my end, not gonna lie. Um, and so we're in, we're into Ottawa. You stole my Perot pick last minute. Hmm. All right. Who will I go for? Um. You know, should I just like steal back? Should I take Helga Grants? Um. But like, you know, their defense. They've got Thomas Shabbat and other people. Yeah. You know what? No, I think their defense needs work. I'll throw him Helga Grants. I'm lazy. I'll just take your pick right. and shove it in there. All right. Auto Senators. I'll get grants. Let's go. There you go. All right. Uh, Vegas, I think we'll go with another right shot defenseman for them. Uh, Justin Barron, reportedly uh, some interesting team, interested teams interested in him, ping in the early 20s, like Columbus, New York, Philly, Washington, Colorado. I just named all everyone picking 21 through 25. They Apparently, they all have an eye on him. So I might guess he wouldn't slip past them. Uh, but he was like a top 10 projected pick at the start of the season before he ran into some injury troubles and then wasn't playing that well afterward. But teams still think seem to think that he has a, a pretty good ceiling there. So I think I'll mock draft him to, to Vegas at 29. Okay, all right. Dallas Stars, your Stanley Cup runner-up. Um, hmm. Okay, what to do now? Uh, I mean, the guy who's... You know, at the top right now is Tyson Forster. Um, you top know, of what? He's got skill. Oh, top of my list. Um, ah, just, all right. Like, who would I take? Probably Tyson Forster. Um, I think he's around this range in Bob's list. Uh, and uh, yeah, dude's got dude's got a nice ceiling. I think he's he scored a bunch uh, in the CHL, and so you know, decent decent upside, I guess. Uh, so let's go, Tyson Forster to the Stars. That's a pretty good pick. Last pick of round one. Uh, I think we're going to be, if you're still up for it, I kind of wanted to go all the way to 48 so we could get those two back-to-back Montreal second rounders in. Uh, But anyway, San Jose at number 31. I think Yan Meshack is a first-round talent. I also think Brendan Brisson is probably going to go in the first round. Everyone seems to think that, uh, that's that's Pat Brisson's son, by the way. Everyone seems to think, oh yeah, he's got a great ceiling and he's going to go in the first round. Uh, I, eh. I guess Ridley Gregg is another player who scouts him to think, oh, he might go higher than than expected. So I think if we're going to balance between, you know, what I would do and prediction, Brendan Brisson, I'd probably have him very early second round. So I'll mock draft him to the Sharks here and send both Yan Michak and Ridley Gregg into day two. So Brendan Brisson to San Jose 31. 
Okay, alright, so that's part number seven. Now we're off to round two. I got Detroit. So Detroit took... Did Drysdale. they take Drysdale? I had them taking Drysdale. Yeah, that okay, was you. Okay, alright. Okay, that was me. And so, yeah, it makes sense for them to take forward. I don't even know who I would take. Uh, on the defense, uh, next guy on my list is Yan uh, Mishak. And so, uh, I write the Detroit guy from... I don't know where he's from, but good for him. I think he's from the Czech Republic. Okay. But he played, played in, uh, in the OHL, I think, this year. Um, anyway, so I've got Ottawa now at 33. Uh, who have they taken so far? We got They took Stutzla, Raymond, Granz. Uh, I'll go with the other guy who I just mentioned as a p- potential option for San Jose, who a lot of scouts think will go higher than expected. Uh, and this, by the way, 33 is not higher than expected for Ridley Gregg. Going with Ridley Gregg, uh, who's you know d- described as like a tenacious player. So if that's your your number one priority or calling card, maybe a little bit of a red flag. But he's got some offensive skill too. Put up some pretty good numbers. So I think that'll be a an NHL player for sure. And uh, there we go, Ottawa number thirty three. You get Ridley Gregg. Okay, solid stuff. Got San Jose again. Um, so who do they take? They took. Uh, did they take Brent Brisson? Brisson. Yeah. Okay. All right. I almost said Pat Brisson. Um. Anyways, <laughs> so that's a guy. Package deal. Uh, hmm. All right. Should we go? Okay. Got some guys now in the first, second round. Yeah. You know, Jake Neighbors. That's a dude. Ozzy Weisblatt, who we talked about earlier. I, I, I'm a pretty big fan of that guy. Um, uh, look at the guys that we've already profiled. You know, that are you know coming in around here. Uh, you know, we had Foodie. I think we did Smilatic. Um, a while back. No. Who would I? Who would I take? Or who's uh? There's also Emil Andre, who was like... Uh, there is Emil Andre. That was like way back um, in terms of prospect profile. I think we did him next That was Wallander, our first right? one. When we profiled yeah, him with Wallander, that was our first ever. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Feeling the Emil Andre vibes because uh, it's a nice throwback. And so San Jose, uh, yeah, I remember I was... Yeah, he was a decent prospect. Um, and I uh, thought he could like slot in mm-hmm. and near the, the top of the second round. And... Uh, yeah, decent talent, I think, for Emil Andre and uh, San Jose. Let's go. All right. Uh, you take that uh, high-ceiling home run defenseman, LA Kings, rivals of the Sharks, picking one spot after. They took uh, Byfield in the first round. They're also going to go with a high-ceiling home run swing defenseman, Lucas Cormier. Profiled him as well. Uh, I think that's a first-round talent, and I think LA getting him at 35 is probably pretty good value and a pretty good fit with their pipeline as well. Okay, all right. Next up, Anaheim Ducks again. Again? Really? I just, I don't know. I feel like I've seen these teams over and over. Uh, yeah, well, Anaheim, like they Ducks had their pick, pick sixth overall. Then they had Boston's pick where I took Jacob Perot, 27th. Okay. And now they are with their second rounder at number 36. Okay, all right. Anaheim, um, who was the, there are some names I threw out there earlier. Uh, I mean, Jake Neighbors. I'm reading his profile right now. Apparently, he was, like, kind of dropped off this season. Uh, and looks like this guy's got some uh, serious skills, uh, like, offensively. And so, uh, yeah, let's hit some home runs with another great name, I think. Big fan. Just a bunch of great names in here. Jake Neighbors. I just realized that's the all three California teams picking three in a row at the top of the second round. And I guess probably in subsequent rounds, too. Uh, San Jose, L.A., and then Anaheim. They're all, all bad. neighbors, actually, now, now that you mentioned Ayo! it. Ayo! Fucking terrible. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Nashville. Nashville at number 37. Drafting for them again. Took a scare of 11th. 
time to go for some scoring punch. A player I think has a very high ceiling and I think has a chance to be a uh, a very good player, maybe even a top six forward. Jean-Luc Foodie. Uh, his parents, oh, did they ever think boy. this would happen for him? Who knows? But uh, it's happening. He's headed over to Nashville, Jean-Luc Foodie. Attaboy. Okay. All right. So I got... I got uh, Buffalo now. And uh, yeah, Buffalo, they're just terrible everywhere, except like 1C. And so, you know, is it time to take a 2C? Uh, You know, I'm looking at Bob's list now. Like, who could I take? Um, You got options. You know, good centers available. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking, uh, who was I thinking? Was I thinking our boy, our boy that we just profiled, our boy Ronnie Herbenen? Maybe a bit early. Maybe a touch early. Um, hmm. Hmm. Who could I take? Who could I take? Uh, let's see. You know what? I think we did a pro- We did a profile on him. Ty Smolanic. Ty Smolanic. Um, you know, he had the he had the injury red flags, if I uh, recall correctly. And so for Buffalo, who you know everybody sucks, just take a home run pick. Ty Smolanic. Boom. All right. Minnesota, number 39, took Anton Lundell in the first round. Uh, Going to go with another center. You said it's a touch early for Ronnie Irvinen. Well, I think uh, I think a touch was just right because here he goes one pick later. Ronnie Irvinen, oh. Minnesota. He's drawn comparisons to Anton Lundell. So uh, maybe Minnesota's got a little bit of a, a type there. Good two-way centers, not such a bad type to have. And I think those two players kind of, you know, fit in really nicely in Minnesota's pipeline. And I also think Irvinen, honestly, I'm a big fan of him. And I think he's the best player available at this point, too. So so Minnesota, kind of an easy pick for me there. Okay. All right. So back to Winnipeg. Um, do I? Hmm. Okay. Let's 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 go Winnipeg. And I'm going to go defensively again because uh, their defense is terrible. And they just need all the help they can get. And so uh, going high ceiling, as always. Uh, big offensive talent. Question marks on defense. Uh, our boy, Jeremy Poirier. All right. Yeah, I figured you would you would like Jeremy Poirier. I think like, you know, high ceiling, I love all that stuff, but Jeremy Poirier just seems like oh, it just has bust written all over him. I don't know. Just that's what I think. Would okay. love to be proven wrong. Right. Anyway, Carolina now, 41st. We got some Seth Jarvis action in round 1. Time for another high ceiling offensive player who we've profiled, Thomas Bordalo. I think this is a really good spot for him to go in. I think it's the kind of player Carolina loves. Good offensive center. I think it fits in really well. Okay. All right. Anybody who we've... I'm trying to think. Anybody who we've profiled who hasn't gone yet, um, I get the feeling that we're like... We might have taken I think everybody. that was the last of it. I think, okay. yeah, Borlo was the last one we've profiled. Yeah. We, uh-huh. I guess we kind of... The or, more you know a player, it really does kind of put it in perspective that you're more comfortable taking a player that you're more familiar with. So, like, you know, these teams who are who scout a lot in a specific area will almost always tend to take the players more often in that specific area. And it makes sense, but now we're really seeing it in action here with our own mock draft. Okay. All right. I You know, I, it turns out I found another guy, the last guy, I believe, who um, we haven't Oh, Topi Nimala. Topi Nimala. Yeah. That's right, our boy. But uh, I don't... I don't <sighs> Who do I have now? Is it Nashville? Uh, Nashville. Okay. They've they taken Scarif and Foodie so far. Scarif Foodie is it time for a defenseman? Is it time for? Is it Topi time? Um, I don't know. I I think I wasn't too big of a fan of him uh, when we did the profile, but like at this point, it's like forty-two, and so like it's an appropriate range for the guy. I think. Uh, yeah. 
Topi time. It's Topi Nimola. You stole my Florida pick. I was going to take Nimola with the Panthers, but all right, whatever. Florida, we mentioned this when they were picking, when they picked Jack Quinn 12, who's not a center or a defenseman, that they needed lots of centers and defensemen. And now, look, we've just had a run of, it's been since the 36th pick with Jake Neighbors, someone who wasn't a center or a defenseman. So things are not coming together perfectly for Florida in this mock draft. But uh, there's a player who I'm not such a big fan of, but who experts seem to think maybe whose stock has risen over the break somehow. I don't know how your stock rises over the break, but Ryan O'Rourke apparently has teams picking late in the first round that really have an eye on him. So if he gets to this point in the draft, I think I don't think he falls much further than this. And he's a defenseman, uh, low ceiling, high floor kind of player. I, I wouldn't even say high floor. I would say low ceiling and maybe a, you know, he might make the NHL. But personally, I wouldn't expect him to be much better than a number four or five defenseman. Limited offensive upside. Uh, sounds perfect for Florida. There you go. Ryan O'Rourke. Off to Florida, off to become a Florida Panther. Hey, man. I mean, if if you get better when you're not, like, if the time that your draft stock rises is when you're literally not playing hockey, I mean, <laughs> okay. All right. Um, is that concerning? Perhaps. All right. Next up, um, we got Toronto. And I don't like picking for Toronto because I don't like Toronto. And so, uh, you know, maybe I should send them a bad player. But that would that would kind of defeat the purpose of this, wouldn't it? Uh, yes, so, it would. uh uh, you know, who do they take in their first one? Their first pick? They didn't um, take Kaskarov, they took, they took who? Uh, Amirov. Amirov. Okay, so it's defensive time because they need defensemen. And so, uh, you know, you're always going. I'm always going. Uh, we're going for the uh, offense. Uh, and this guy, uh, you know, apparently he's got some offensive skills, uh, especially a shot. And so uh, out of Russia, this man's name, who, not going to lie, I have never tried to pronounce. Um, Shakir Mukhamadoulin. Mukhamadoulin. Okay, Muka- interesting. I was pretty close. Okay. Pretty close. I was, Muka- Shakir, Shakir, yeah? He's so far down my list, Shakir Mukhamadoulin, that uh, I was like, wow. what, who, what Russian defenseman is he talking about? And like, uh, I think, I don't know what list we have pulled up, but I think he's in like the second round on Bob's list. And he, you know, he's probably going to go around the second round maybe. Um, but a lot of prospect people are like, oh, no, he's so terrible. He's no way he's going to make the NHL. I wouldn't even draft him at all. I think someone said doesn't even have him ranked in the top 217. Hello. So uh, very divisive. Probably the most divisive player in the draft, uh, Shakimu Kamadoulin. But uh, that probably Sick is name, around though. the range where he's going to go. Yeah, fantastic name, another one. That's, I've got Detroit, 45. We're closing in on the end of our mock draft. I think uh, this is... Ozzy Wiesblatt, I think this is time to time to shine. Would be great if he falls to Montreal. Oh, do we not take Ozzy Wiesblatt? Oh man, no, Ozzy Wiesblatt's still still Ozzie. on the board, and I think Detroit. They what have they done so far? They got defenseman Jamie Drysdale, center Jan Mishak. Now they're going with a right winger Ozzy Wiesblatt. Uh, very well-rounded game. Stock has risen a lot this year. Might even be a late first rounder. Uh, not not sure exactly where he is on Bob's list, but I think at forty-five, that's a great value pick for the Red Wings. Yeah, I didn't even realize that Ozzy was already was had uh, was still on the board. Uh, but hey, here we are, uh, and I think this is the last pick for me. That's not a Habs pick, and so or is it? Yeah, Chicago from Pittsburgh via Vegas apparently. So this pick's been traveling. Uh, let's see. All right, Chicago. Just people not like I just I haven't heard of many of these prospects anymore. Uh, so you know, gonna do a quick search. On some people, or just I'm just looking through Bob's list, seeing their stats, what they've been like, 
You know, who scored a bunch of goals? That's what I want to see. Uh, and so uh, right now we're looking at three more goals than uh, Ozzie Wiesblatt. This guy plays in the USHL. So, you know, maybe the quality of competition is a bit worse, but he scored 28 goals. So, you know, good for him. How many games did he play? Did he see 44 games? So 28 and 44. Colangelo? Pretty good. I am talking about the boy, Sam Colangelo, who, all right, seems like a guy. Nicely ranked in Bob's list. And so uh, that's where we're going to go. Sam Colangelo to the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, that was a guy I was going back and forth with for this Montreal pick that I'm about to make because apparently uh, apparently he might like sneak into the, the late first round, some people seem to think. Uh, but but not in this mock, at least. Uh, so now you've made that decision a little easier for me because I was going back and forth between Colangelo and Zion Nybeck, who's ranked, I think, in like the middle of the third round on Bob's list, but in the late first round on many others because he's, you know, there are some red flags there. Uh, not the best skater. He's very small. Uh, sound familiar? Uh, I don't know. I don't know who I was even referencing, but uh, but there are definitely <laughs> players like that. Uh, Zion sound Nybeck, familiar? Yep. <laughs> Uh, okay, anyway, it. he tore it up offensively in, I think, the Swedish Junior League. And so the high ceiling is definitely there. We look for, you know, the special qualities a player has. And he's definitely a, a, a premier offensive talent. So I think that's a good second round pick. Zion Nybeck to Montreal, 47th overall. And now you can close out our mock uh, awkwardly in the middle of the second round with the 48th overall pick. <laughs> Zion Nybeck. I've never heard of that guy. And that's, yet again, dope ass name. All right. Okay. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Who will I take with this pick? And so, what position does he play? He plays the wing. He's a winger. Okay. All right. And so, the Habs so far have taken him. I've taken Hendrix Lapierre. Right. Yep. That was our first round pick that I made. And so, uh, third of all, is it? You know, do I take a defenseman? But they already have so many defensemen. But it's not. You can. You can't have too many defensemen. Um, looking at stats. They don't have many uh, right named, defensemen. Okay. A guy named Damon Hunt has literally zero goals last season. Although he did play only 20 Yeah, please games, don't take Damon so. Hunt. I don't want Damon Hunt. <laughs> I'm not taking Damon Hunt. Um, okay, all right. Yeah, no. Just like, I'm looking through the stats. There's like a fat zero next to his name. And I'm like, yeah. feels not bad, a good sign. man. Give me, give me someone with some, give me someone with some goals. Uh, I like, like, okay. So the defenseman, it seems like, I don't even know who I would take. Like, just like really not much offensive production going on, so I think I'm just gonna be resigned to taking uh, a forward. Um, hmm. Any recommendations? Because I'm really like I'm like you know hmm. picking at straws here or whatever. Casper uh, Samontoval is a winger. He's got pretty good offensive ceiling. Luke Evangelista. Some people think he might go like high second round. Uh, Daniel Gushchin. People seem to to like him. I think he played in the USHL this year and he had really good underlying numbers. Those are some right. some possibilities you for know, you. Let's go, Daniel Gushin, five uh, eight, love a good small player, and uh, twenty two goals and forty two in the USHL. Uh, sounds good to me. Let's go. Let's go with the undersized. Uh, so right. yeah, wrapping out the mock draft for the Habs with Daniel Gushin. So we picking from Montreal. We got the uh, the center who was injured most of last season. And two extremely tiny wingers in the second round. Sounds pretty on brand to me. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, wasn't like the the picks didn't fall great for Montreal, and I think that's just because we just took like who we like best, and so like you know what I mean, like like we did a lot of best player available, and so that's probably not gonna. Hopefully, it's not how it pans out for the Habs, uh, and we'll see someone like actually fall, and you know. Honestly, though, like this scenario of like the players we love are gone, so they take who's left is a lot better to me than great players are still on the board and they pass on them to take Damon Hunt and Shakir (laughs) Mukamadoulin. They're taking Damon Hunt. No, like it just commits now. I looked at the stats; it just seems like a Bergevin guy, you know. Uh, Zero goals. No Damon Hunt. That's that's, I'm speaking it into existence, so I should probably stop talking. Yeah. All right. So this was. This was another very long episode of Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Oof, uh, this is wow. co- really our first off season, so it kind of, it's kind of fun because, uh, yeah, we started right before last season started, so this is our first off season with the show. It's fun, and we have a special announcement to make. We, in two days from now, when the draft is happening, are going to be recording our live reaction to round one. Uh, it won't be like live streamed or anything on YouTube, so uh, I don't know if you'd even want to, but you couldn't be able to listen or watch along with us. I'll be posting it probably the next day, uh, but that'll be fun. Fun piece of content. I was, that's why we, we cut out the uh, trivia segment and the Holloway LaPierre profile this week to maybe shorten this episode. It didn't work. Well, I mean, I guess it did shorten the episode because otherwise it would have been like like two and a half hours long. But, uh, but anyway, we cut that stuff because we had a bunch of other things to get to. And that is something I am very much looking forward to. Two days, two days till the draft. Can't wait. All right, uh, season two kicks off this week. Uh, let's go. Let's go.